You know that Johnny Depp, he uh, he played in that movie about the bad director, <laughs> that uh, Ted Wood or whatever. Yeah, he played in that one. He played in that Pirates one. Uh, my kids like it, the Pirates one. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your host, Kayla, and I do obviously have a guest with me today. But before I get to that, if you like this episode or the podcast or me, uh, you can find me online everywhere at Screen Vomit. One word on all the stuff, Instagram, whatever you can think of, I'm probably on there. Love to be online. I also have beautiful shirts and merch you can buy for the little freak in your life who loves movies and um, pictures of monsters puking. The link to that stuff is in my show notes and in all my bios. I mention a making of featurette that I watched in relation to this movie in the episode, and that is also linked in the show notes if anybody else wants to watch that for some reason. <laughs> and I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash greenvomit, and uh, Patreon heads look out because uh at some point a bigger longer uncut version of this episode is going to be on the patreon not today or this week because i'm going on vacation however sometime it will be so check out that um all right so let, let me get to my guest my guest today is a writer director animator actor Jack Dunphy. You may have heard of Jack Dunphy on the pod in the past. I actually found out about his work through doing my podcast um, on my episode with Josh Bukowski and Jordan Tatuski from a couple months ago. He makes these gorgeous, like mildly fictionalized, but deeply autobiographical uh, shorts that are really cool. I believe most of his shorts are Vimeo staff picks now. Chekhov, Serenity, Revelations, Brontosaurus. He just had a new a new old short dropped on No Budge that was previously unreleased. He's got so much stuff coming up. He starred in the controversial South by Southwest award winner Assholes, which is directed by Peter Vack, who rocks. And he wrote for two films directed by Nathan Silver, uh, Stinking Heaven and Great Pretender. He also has a podcast coming out soon, uh, tentatively titled Revelations, where he gets into his own battles with addiction, losing his best friend to drugs, uh, and interviews a slew of great guests like Betsy Brown, also Peter Vack, and uh, others. He also writes articles for TalkHouse.com. So my man's got all kinds of shit coming up, uh, and he's just made a new movie that is not out yet. So check out his stuff on the horizon and uh, currently online as well. Also, uh, his birthday is December 28th. So this will be coming out on the 13th, I believe. So uh, tell him happy early birthday. Big 30. Uh, it's a big boy for him. So this is a good one. I also need to note in the episode about like eight, uh, well, probably after the intro, it'll probably be like uh, 10 minutes in or something. There's going to be a weird bumper, a weird jump cut 
where uh, we kind of rambled on a little too long, getting a little too intellectual over the concept of what makes someone laugh and uh, the concept of telling a funny story over and over. I still left a little bit of it in, but we just got to rambling. So um, I cut a big chunk of it out. So if you go, well, what happened here? That's what happened. Uh, so I don't know, just heads up on that. All right. So uh, let me get to the episode. Here it is, babe. Bye. <laughs> to just saying how excited I am to do this in a genuine Aww, way. Thank you. I'm so excited. You have a great energy and I, I really appreciate you uh, plugging my stuff on your social media. And um, I, I'm just excited to hear myself talk and <laughs> get to know you. And uh, yeah, this is a very, very nice way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Thanks. Hell yeah. Um, are you in, are you a New York guy now? No, I'm Chicago We're right Chicago. now. Okay. Lived in New York for a long time. But my clock yeah. on my computer still says it's still New York time because I always like to be an hour ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so that's how that's why I got confused about our time. What part of Chicago are you in now? I'm in Pilsen. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so you know you know Chicago. I know Chicago. I lived there for several years. I don't I no longer live there, although I kind of say that I um, have co residency because I'm there so often. Yeah. And I'll be back in like two weeks again oh really two weeks after that as well yeah (laughs) cool well hit me up if you want to have a lunch or something sure i i don't think um in two weeks i think i'm just coming for one day and i'm gonna do a lot of stuff in that day i gotta see two movies and go to a comedy show um but the next time that i'm there i think i'll have more time you you want to see how this goes before we commit to off mic interaction no i really don't care i would totally meet up (laughs) i'm not really shy i meet up with strangers all the time off the internet um (laughs) really stranger stranger filmmakers but it's been great yeah yeah i don't care i'm probably not as afraid of that as i should be (laughs) well this new this new age we live in i'm just generally not really scared of people i guess there's nothing to be scared of when it comes to filmmakers no filmmaker has ever done anything (laughs) nefarious or problematic no it hasn't gone bad for me yet knock on wood good (laughs) um anyway okay so let's talk about something else you have so much stuff coming up where do we even start you got all this crap you got new films coming out you're in films you got a podcast let's talk Um, about your podcast you've been working on this for a long time true or false yeah how'd you know um because i have google.com baby (laughs) wow i'm on google Yeah, Google's been plugging you. I don't know if you've ever... Nice. <laughs> yeah, the podcast, I don't know. I thought it was going to be called Revelations with Jack Dunphy. That's me, mm-hmm. Jack Dunphy. Um, it, <laughs> okay, it, it self-plug. Might, yeah, it might... <laughs> <laughs> I exist. It, 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 it might still be called that. My producer um, wants me to change it because I have a short film called Revelations and he doesn't want it to be confusing for the 12 people who have seen my short film. Um <laughs> But anyway, it's going to be something with Jack Dunphy. It's being put out on the Talk House Network. Mm-hmm. When are you going to just do it? When's it coming out? Just do it. Uh, I believe it's going to be the very beginning of the new year, like the first week of the wow. new year. Mm-hmm. I know I take too long. You, Resolutions you s- with Jack Dunphy more like. Resolutions. There you go. <laughs> very good. I know that you said you edit these heavily and mm-hmm. I'm completely, uh, I've gone completely OCD uh, with the editing and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just, you know, I can be a kind of a slow uh, worker. Slow but cooker. Slow but the, cooker. So the editing's what's tripping you up? The editing and waiting for different people to be on the podcast and also mm-hmm. um, some so of the- So you want to get cooler people on first so that you can bump the the not as cool people. Oh yeah, I will be bumped. 
<laughs> soon. Now, yeah, well, I guess I'll say a little bit about it. It's, it's, it, I talk at the beginning of it and then we go into the interviews and it's focused specifically on my battles with addiction and depression and mental health stuff. And also I talk about my friend, John Sabula, who died, who is a great artist who's unknown. Um, I hope he won't be unknown forever, but he died of a drug overdose and we were just like soul brothers uh, mm-hmm. and um you know i i don't know maybe i have some survival's guilt about it uh, or something but i i like to pay tribute to him and unpack his life and celebrate him and just you know he it's a lens for me to talk about my own issues mm-hmm. and so the season the structure of the season is sort of loosely based around those stories about our relationship but it, it but i also just go into where i'm at in life it sort of chronicles my uh, descent into addiction and then going mm-hmm. to rehab and then i talk with guests who make similar kind of art that i do in a way like autobiographical and just people who have something to talk about when it comes to mental health blah 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 it's not like a it's not like a public service podcast like it's not like uh i don't do better help uh mm-hmm. commercials in the middle of it it's just like <laughs> sort of raw conversations i have cave zahedi betsy brown who i have a deep relationship with we unpack how much of a shithead i was at certain points during our relationship mm. uh peter vack mm-hmm. the actor and provocateur <laughs> cool people so these do these people all have some kind of relationship with drug addiction or just mental health in general? You know, not all of them have issues like that. But like, for for instance, Betsy, who I mentioned, she doesn't have issues with mental health. As far as I know, she definitely doesn't have issues with addiction. uh, Well, at least not to the same hard stuff that I do. But we had a very complicated relationship where I kind of like, you know, we had a romantic relationship. After She has a relationship with an addict. Right. So she has a relationship with addiction, even though it's not her personal addiction. I suppose so. Yeah. The, um, I'm hmm. worried that I have to rein it in because I feel Why? like my my sincerity is is uh, I don't I don't know perhaps um, not cohesive or not not uh, doesn't doesn't you don't think work. it's welcome here? I I don't know. I it's welcome here. It's welcome. I have, I have so many episodes of sincerity and um, trauma spilling and <laughs> just well, recounting stories of our life. I absolutely get into that crap um, on my podcast. I know it seems like, oh, I'm just coming on this movie podcast and now I'm being all serious, but it's actually more than that. <laughs> of course it is. So um, I never but thought it was just I this. am just a goofball. Um, so I... How else do we deal with our trauma but make it silly and do goofs? I should mention that the podcast is funny. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it really is. It's not like <laughs> everything I say, like every pitch I have to make, mm-hmm. every like, this is my project. This is my film yeah. that I make. And then like I see people's face just sort of flush. And like, And then I'm like, it's funny. I swear to God. Like, it's <laughs> it, it sounds so dour. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, but... Um, Yes, no, I I agree that uh, laughter is and do you laugh? Not, not the best medicine, but a a what, what's that? I said, do you laugh? Do I not seem like I have a sense of humor? I'd say you seem like you have a sense of humor, but I don't think I've heard you laugh yet. I'm a hard laugh. You're doing smiles. <laughs> I'm a hard laugh. I think you you, you know I think mm-hmm. you're funny. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like your laugh. I'm a huge uh, laugher. 
Oh, it's well, very well that. known. I'm a chucklehead. I can't stop chuckling. Sometimes I think my neighbors will call um, the police on me for how loud and how long I'm laughing. They will get concerned um, that something <laughs> is wrong with me down here. But <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's the kind of laugher that I am. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I um I don't know. I have certain people in my life who m- made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Paul. Sh- Trader said something that was so brilliant, hmm. which was something happens to you and you tell the story the first time mm-hmm. to someone and it's lively and it's it's funny because you're you're not reciting, you're remembering mm-hmm. as as you go, and then it's a great story. And so you tell someone else, and the second time is kind of like perfect because yeah. you've you can you've already you can edit it because you already tried it out once. So that's like the peak of the storytelling of that story is the second time. Third time, it starts to wane uh, because now you're sort of reciting the story instead mm-hmm. of remembering it. And the um, more times you tell it, you're telling your memory of telling the story versus your experience of living. The right. Story. And it's yeah. not spontaneous and you're in the moment anymore. And mm-hmm. but you're like, well, it did so well the past couple of times. This is probably just maybe it was the wrong person. This story has like a few more. Uh, <laughs> this is a mm-hmm. few more you know, times to shine. And then the fourth time you tell it you're bored yourself telling it, you're watching yourself tell it and you see the other person sort of losing interest and that's when it's time to write it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all have those stories though. We do. Yeah. And then it's like, what do you do? That's my best story. Oh, I have. S- I, I, had, have a- I had a great story about getting food poisoning in New York for a while and then it's like, no, I've told it so much. It's not a good story. What do I got to do? Shit my pants somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm curious about the story. <laughs> Well, the very first time I went to New York City, the very first <laughs> the first pizza place I went to, which my friend made me go to, which was from the credits of uh, Louie. You know the show Louie? Sorry, he's canceled Never heard now. of it. The man's canceled now. No, Louis he's C. back. K. He's back. Um, but in the in the opening credits, he like gets a slice of pizza. He flips off. I, I'm well aware. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to that place anyway. He I got food flip poisoning. Out the camera. He, he flips flip off. off. No, he doesn't. He doesn't flip off the camera. Well, maybe he doesn't, but I think he does. Um, and then, uh, so we got pizza there, but I got mushrooms on mine and nobody else did. And I got f- terrible food poisoning. And we went to Central Park and we're walking around. You know, I'm getting tummy pains. I'm going, oh, something's going to happen, you know. And yeah. But we're in Central Park and it's like, where can you go? There's no bathrooms here. There, We find one little hut. It's closed. The more we're walking, I'm like doubled over in half. And I'm like, we're going to have to go somewhere because... Something's going to come out of one way and it ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> um, but we came out and we're like on Fifth Ave and there's like no place to go. It's like ritzy shops everywhere. Um, and the only place we could find with public restroom was the Trump Tower. So <laughs> so I went in the Trump Tower, um, annihilated the place, both ends <laughs> for like, I was probably in there for like an hour when my friends just like chilled at the Starbucks that's in there or whatever. Um, and people are like knocking, are you okay? And I'm going, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and we came out of there and then I'm like hungry because I just like shit and puked out all the food that I had had. You need more. I need more. I was hungry. We went to a restaurant. I'm like, I think I'm fine now. Uh, I take a single bite of food and go and puke instantly. Um, and by that point I had made a terrible mistake. So when we were trying to, my friend lived on Long Island that we were staying with and we were in, Manhattan so um, Mm -hmm. it was quite a journey to get back (laughs) home Mm -hmm. and I'm just stopping everywhere and puking in trash cans on the street that was like 
the second day that we were in New York, the, my first trip to New York ever. And so I was like bedridden for the other three days of the trip. And our last day there, you know, we're going back. We were going to stop at Cake Boss in New Jersey on the way home. We <laughs> drove to New York. So we're going to stop at Cake Boss. Um, I'm like, I'm better now. It's been days. Um, I'm in the car. I have to fart. But turns out it was diarrhea. Oh, and- no. <laughs> so the like five minutes into a 16 hour drive, um, shit my pants. And then <laughs> we stopped in New Jersey to go to Cake Boss. And I like went into a subway and um, threw my underwear in the trash <laughs> and uh, put my bag over the shit part of my dress and went into a Carlo's Bakery <laughs> <laughs> with shit all down my backside. Um, and you know what? It wasn't even that good. So that's my shit story about New York. How do you feel like that story went over just now? Um, Fine. Not amazing. It used to get huge laughs. <laughs> I was going to do it for a stand-up a long time ago. Did you ever go to Ladylike oh. at Cafe Mustache? I, you may have I been in New York know. the whole time that it was a show. I, I knew when of did it. you move I was away? At, I was at Kohl's a lot. When did you move away to New York? I was 20. So I don't know when that would have been, like 2012 or 13. Okay. And then it, yeah. you've just been back in Chicago for a little bit or how long? I've been back in Chicago for a couple years now, which is weird. I feel like I just got back. By the way, I liked that story. Okay, thank I'm you. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was just wondering. I was just wondering. It's I was just fine. Because I had, because we're now I'm like analyzing. I'm, the I'm, concept we're talking, of we're telling a story about, over and yes, over. Yes, yeah. that's where we're, that's where we're. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I got you. That's where I took it. You did stand up. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. I wanted to do stand up and I wanted to specifically do it at this one show. It was actually hosted by Sarah Squirm. I remember. I loved this show. I went to every, it was monthly. I went to every month for years but i think it i'm not sure if it still happened since pandy i have no idea but uh, anyway it was like just a show for like non-men to tell gross stories about like puke or shit or um whatever kind of nasty yeah. shit they could tell um and i loved the show i was obsessed um so anyway i wanted to tell i wanted to do that there and i sent in an application or whatever you have to just like Tell them you want to do it and give them like a synopsis of your story. Because it's like a story. It's a storytelling It's, it's sort show. of storytelling, but it's comedy. You know what I mean? Because stand-up is you just put your name in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. it's not like exactly stand-up, but it's not, it's like funny storytelling, I guess. But anyway, they never responded to me. And then um, that was the beginning and end of my comedy career. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun when that comedy dream dies? <laughs> I, I never thought I would do. People have told me a lot of times that I should be a comedian, but I just don't. Think. You're very magnetic. You're likable. Thank you. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I was not likable. I'll tell you, I've never said this, admitted this publicly, but I, I did stand up for a long time. Oh, yeah. And I don't think I was ever likable on stage. I didn't like myself. <laughs> I wasn't happy to be there and they could sense mm. that. Did you, you get know? laughs though? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I would stop when I was starting to get, I mean, they were infrequent laughs, but sometimes when I would get okay, I would I would take long breaks and then I'd start again and then I would be back to square one. And it wasn't something that I should have been doing, but I did it for a long time. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, in Chicago or where? Chicago and New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chicago in high school. I did it a lot. And then in college. And then I remember it starting to get a lot worse mm. uh, in college because high school. Well, a people are more generous because you're kind of a kid. Mm-hmm. But I just had I was so cocky in high school. Like I just mm. was such a confident piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And I um, 
I came across some tape of me doing it and like it was like 17 or 16 and I just I the jokes weren't how old were, were you crude. when you found the tape? Probably 21 okay. or something. So only a couple years later. Mm-hmm. I know. But when you're that young, you don't understand how time works yet. So <laughs> it's like True. an eons away. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was just, I was, the jokes weren't great, but I was just so cocky. And it was just like, I'm funny. I don't mm-hmm. care if you like me. And so there was something there. I mean, it's not like a great or even good comedian, but there's like, you need that confidence. And then after 18, the the insecurity and self-loathing just took over. And so suddenly I was just this like lump on stage. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry for my existence. Here's a joke. Oh, you don't like it. I didn't like it either. I suck, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I floundered. Aww. Do you know Carmen Esposito? Mm-hmm. Cameron. She, she, Cameron, mm-hmm. whatever. She used to ha- <laughs> <laughs> She's. She used to host that big show at Cole's Bar, which is right across the street from Cafe Mustache. And she used to co-host it with Adam Burke, Mm -hmm. who's an Irish comedian. And uh, it was like the hottest spot. And now Cole's is like Night at the Apollo or something. Like I went in there recently (laughs) and it's just insane. Like it's the hottest open mic in town. Yeah. They have a real booker now. So now their shows cost like $12. Yeah. So when I was doing it, you just had to show up. I was just there a couple weeks ago. Oh, were you? Yeah. I can't go in there. I I was just going to tell a a horrible, like just a shit story at Coles. I was, I finally got on. You got to wait forever. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the first times I got like laughs at at that place and i had groaners back then like mm-hmm. like uh just a dark perverted joke that used to used to be able to oh well, and you can still tell it if you're good but like a bad mm-hmm. comedian could kind of get away with that yeah. more than and i was like it was just got addicted to it because like bros from the bar like heard one joke i mean they're like fuck yeah and then they like came in <laughs> to hear more like dirty jokes uh-huh. and i was so you were kind high. of addicted to being problematic <laughs> I was so hot. That wasn't even a word. I was so I was so high. You on invented my own. problematic. <laughs> I was so yeah, man. <laughs> Welcome to come boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was so high on my own fumes. I just forgot about the light, which is the most unacceptable thing you could do, mm-hmm. especially as an amateur comic. Just forget that you have to get the fuck or wrap it up in 20 seconds or whatever. Yeah. So I just kept going. And I just turned and I saw Carmen Cameron Esposito with her like (laughs) mullet or mohawk or whatever, (laughs) just with her like dead stony eyes, just like right there on stage with me. And she just like grabbed the microphone out of my hands. And it was at the most embarrassing point because I had just, you know, what if a farmer in the Midwest said something like, hey, like, like, hey, how are you doing? And like, I just had launched into the door, the dorky voice like, hey, how are you doing? And then she just like grabbed the microphone. It was the worst point in the routine to do it. And uh, uh-huh. I sat down like just with my tail between my legs. And she goes, uh-huh. that's what happens. That's what happens. Like a vice principal. And then I think she felt bad and she was like, yeah. no, no, that was vi- that was good, though. That was good, though. You're a good looking guy. Like she kept saying I was a good looking guy. And, um, <laughs> She's gay. So <laughs> I know. Uh, well, yeah, I know. So I've then seen you're her like, act. how much is it? <laughs> I know her thing. Uh, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, we probably should get into the movie. <laughs> oh, OK. At some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we should. We should. We're having such a great time chatting. But we can have a great time chatting about the movie. Well, do you disagree? No, I was having a great I was having a great time. <laughs> that you don't want to talk about the movie anymore. <laughs> Dude. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stupid movie. 
<laughs> and we'll get into that. <laughs> Did you like it? We'll get into that. Okay. Um, so for the movie, we did the 2012 film Maniac. And this was from a list that I sent to you. You picked it off of there. Had you it wasn't heard a list. Of this? It was two movies. Well, it was two movies. Whatever. Completely unnecessary interjection. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why? Why? What drew you to pick this one specifically? Why well, I said, did I? Or I said you could pick your whatever you wanted, but those are two that I wanted to well, do. Well, I wanted to accommodate you. I, it's mm-hmm. good for me to watch new movies. I'm always showing people movies, so it's like yeah. it's, it's time for me to mm-hmm. watch and something new. Do you feel new. like that was worth it? <laughs> How'd that go for you? <laughs> no. I, 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 I have mean, not seen it either, so don't don't uh, hold this as like part of my taste or something, too. What, what? made me pick it? I, yeah. I thought I was in a mood for a horror movie. The trailer looked cool. And usually, I know by a trailer if it's going to be good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but like... I really do. And when people, when fellow filmmakers are like, it looks so good in the trailer. I was like, don't you know how it works? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And uh, this honestly was one I, I was sort of duped by. You got pranked. But I, I might not have watched it thoroughly. I mean, look, it looked cool. And there's something cool about it. And probably mm-hmm. the best version of it is a two-minute coming <laughs> attraction. The sizzle reel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so don't don't hold this as part of like my taste or anything because I didn't know anything about this. I don't either. care. I'm sure that like a lot of horror fans love this, and Maybe people so. who who like to beat off to a certain kind of thing love this. <laughs> and I, um, but this isn't what you would beat off to, is what you're saying. I might. There is one scene I might. <laughs> okay, so you hadn't seen this before. You didn't know about it. You just picked it because i said yeah and i thought i was in the mood for a horror movie um but over covid i had covid this past two weeks i just i binged that Dahmer show on netflix mm-hmm. and i don't know if you've seen it no i won't uh, be watching was, it why um first of all i'm not into true crime second of all just all the stuff about it being like re-traumatizing and stuff to the family i just don't really want to support it well i'm a piece Sorry. of shit we've, we've already <laughs> We've already established I'm a... I am not into true crime, and I think the way people approach true crime is kind of fucked up to me. I, I think the show had its merits. Um, <laughs> Sorry to make you feel called out. Um, That's what I think, though. No, it's okay. I, I'm I'm accepting the blows. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, 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 the first five episodes are truly inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I watched it, I devoured it, but I get that it's just... Uh, shameless murder porn. Mm-hmm. So, but I was sick of it. Like, like yeah. I, I, I did enjoy the show. I love the performances. I just there's a certain kind of trashy show that I like. Other people have the Kardashians and shit. Some mm-hmm. this is just like a show that spoke to me and scratched an itch, and obviously scratched America's itch because it's number one. Yeah, and you know people have a need to watch this kind of material uh, for whatever reason. And it's not just horror fans. I don't know. I had an idea. I had, I was wondering too, like, why do we need to watch stuff like this? Especially about when it, when it's like actually happened and these are real victims. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think the culture might be so traumatized by those serial killers that you almost need the release of seeing it again. Mm-hmm. Or having it explored in a safe format. 
Whereas Maybe. the victims don't. I'm not saying the victims want that, mm-hmm. but I'm saying as a culture. I don't know if people who take in so much of that information or who are like obsessed with true crime even associate those actions with real human people. I think it's disassociated from real humanity. And it's like, a I don't know, just like a cool story to people. I definitely think that for the docs. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about like the real horror of like seeing a dead person in front of you or like seeing somebody dismembered or stuff like that it's not like something i think is really going through people's minds i think that for a lot of the documentary stuff like the court stuff and the the grizzly murders but did he really do it that that stuff i do think is like in one ear out the other for some reason i don't know the Dahmer show did it personally made me think about these things in a real way mm-hmm. and especially when it branched off into cuz the the second five up or the the second half of it are is like exploring the ramifications on society and all the little people that had to be affected by it or you know not that they're little people but the people in the apartment normal sized people the mm-hmm. cops correct and uh you know his dad and look it's 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 trashy and it pays it pays lip service to being like a socially conscious thing like about white privilege and all that stuff but it it was interesting to me and like getting deep into his psychosis and the sex especially the sexual aspect of how he was turned on by the organs and stuff and like actually shooting the organs as if they're like sexual objects it's disgusting, but it penetrated my mind and my consciousness and my understanding of the history of it in a way that those the actual documentary stuff doesn't. Mm. So to me, it was like Henry portrait of a serial killer mixed with the, the Queen's Gambit. Um, but <laughs> okay. I, I, I say all this because even though I enjoyed the show, I was worn out from it. It, As I say, it did get into my psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, it really fucked me up. Not to overshare too much but one failed attempt at uh love making with my girlfriend mm-hmm. <laughs> during covid you know it, it doesn't always work when everyone's sick mm-hmm. but um everyone is in me and her and the cat watching us but i i just, <laughs> Who's uh, just sick in the head <laughs> i was no i was sick in the head because i was <laughs> thinking about the organs and the dismemberment yeah on the Dahmer show as i'm but like that didn't work for you I mean, in terms of turning me on. (laughs) No, it was horrible because I was actually (laughs) thinking about my girlfriend's organs, Mm. which is you're not supposed to like, you're not, you know, that's, you know, Uh it was icky. And uh, so this ties into Maniac because I just didn't want any more murder stuff. And like, Mm. you know, I had just seen that that movie Smile, that horror movie Smile that just came out. Mm -hmm. I said, seen that the night before. And I was just like, I was really worn out. Like, I always say I want to watch horror movies, especially Halloween time. But I like Mm. the old, I really do like the old Universal monster movies a lot. And now they have those movies on Criterion. So I I just, like, that's kind of what I want. I like Beetlejuice. I mean, I look, I've dove into the really fucked up horror stuff and I, I think when you're younger you can take more of it but i really as i get older i'm less interested in violence mm-hmm. i have less of a taste for it and so by the time i had to watch this movie last night i was just like i really was not open to it so i'll admit yeah. that and mm-hmm. i was just like all right let's go here we go yeah but i didn't it didn't do what the Dahmer show did for me in terms of actually putting me in his mindset. And it's you were supposed still able to. to get horny after Maniac. Um, am I? I, I <laughs> no comment. <laughs> am I being? Am I being judged? 
No, I'm just making a goof. <laughs> he said Dahmer fucked you up so much you couldn't get horny anymore, but Maniac, you know, I could still get horny, so was it that good? Who knows? Did you find it erotic? <laughs> no. <laughs> you didn't find it erotic at all? Maniac? Yeah. No. Do you acknowledge that it is an erotic thing? <laughs> Okay, so now what's happening is you did get horny after Maniac, and now you're embarrassed from being horny after Maniac. Well, I mean, do you do you watch that and not understand that it 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 is a there is an eroticism to it? It's, In the same way, all slashers are are erotic and horny. I think doggy. they're maybe erotic for men. Yeah. No, come on. There, like a lot of people get turned on by stuff like that, including women. Maybe so. To me, it, it's predominantly male for sure. Yeah. But to say women don't have fantasies like that. Maybe so, my gr- you, you know? know. My girlfriend kind of likes it. Yeah, that's fine. You know, if that's their thing, it's not really for me. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. that thing for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you think it's fine for other people. <laughs> Everybody can get horny to whatever they want, you know, uh-huh. and that's kind of your thing to do. Okay. Um, I'll say, though, I'm not really a horror, like a straight up horror person either. I don't really like watching horror movies. I don't seek them out that often. Not straight up horror. But I am really big into like twisted fucked up movies or um, movies where things are happening that could be considered horrific, but the film isn't horror or a different type of violence I can get behind. But this is like just silliness. I yeah, I'm not really a straight up horror person either. Something is disturbing you. (laughs) No, no, no. I like I like horror. I you just I, like um, monsters and and older. You're not you're not this type of horror. I do. I mean, Halloween is if it's a mm-hmm. great movie, it's a great movie. Halloween's yeah. a great movie. It's a great, great slasher movie. I don't love slashers in general, just as like something that I fetishize or am mm-hmm. super drawn to specifically. I like all the big dick horror. Mo- I'm sorry. You know what? I I double down <laughs> when I feel like I'm being like judged or I'm like so oh, I'm being maybe I'm, I'm being not perceived. judging you. Maybe I'm being perceived as like the pervy guy. So now all my like <laughs> the the way I'm like I'm talking is like I'm putting I'm shoehorning dick into or you know whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm the- not judging you and it's okay if you if um this made you horny or anything made you horny. That's fine. You right yeah so the you know um, you're still feeling judged you know no I, i'm judging myself you know i'm, I'm uh, i can feel my girlfriend becoming unattracted to me in the next room i uh i um don't be nervous i love carrie <laughs> the shining rosemary's yeah. baby all the movies that people say those are kind of different best though best horror movies right yeah but i you know i like silly ass horror movies i like i really you know what i crave the dumb stephen king movies Mm -hmm. i like the dumb i like the stephen king movies he likes Mm -hmm. you know like he doesn't like the shining he likes the tv miniseries the shining because it's closer to the book Mm -hmm. you know he has he has silly cameos in them Mm -hmm. you know they're trashy but they're fun i i love that he has that sense of humor about himself yeah uh I, I like those kind of, I like, you know, fun, campy horror movies. And I, I as I said, I like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I think that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's not something I revisit <laughs> a lot. But, you know, and I like going real dark, not for darkness sake, but but it's dark in a way that it's not trying to be dark. It It's accessing a certain area of life mm-hmm. that is true. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to set up shop there or you would kill yourself, but to at least for a little bit acknowledge it. 
mm-hmm. and like scratch that itch. You know, probably going back to the Dahmer show, but you know, Dahmer is more superficial. But I'm talking about like movies, art, music that gets like really down in the pit mm-hmm. of your subconscious and just like, yeah, there's a lot of horror in life. And yeah. like just for a little bit, just like rub your nose in it. Yeah. And then you can come out, but there's something necessary for certain people. A lot of people don't have this this need but i think a lot of people do and i do and whether or not it's like a need i don't know but it's something it's a place that i i go sometimes the house that jack built by lars mm-hmm. von trier i don't know if you like that movie i haven't watched it i'm not really That's watching a, more lars von trier either <laughs> you're not a lars von trier fan <laughs> well he just has problems with women that i don't agree with i understand that but i also think he's like one of the greatest does he make good films probably i seen Mel- melancholia and that's it I don't think that's one of his best. I think it's a good one. But, mm-hmm. dude, you got to see Breaking the Waves. <laughs> you really, you got to see Breaking the Waves. I'm sorry that I disagree with all the things that you're saying. <laughs> Breaking the Waves is one of the best movies probably ever, in my, in my opinion. I'm just now realizing all the stuff that I boycott uh, subconsciously. And there's a lot of love mm-hmm. in it. Okay. There's, uh, I, I'm sure he has issues with women. I would bet that he has issues with people in general, mm-hmm. but I also think there's a lot of love in it. And I, I mean, this is a larger discussion. I'm going off on a tangent, but about, you know, sort of discounting creative works because of the director or someone involved, which I get mm-hmm. like Louis CK, for instance, if you cannot forgive him for what he did, totally cool that's i'm not going to try to convince you that he also does good work you know what i mean and you should just value that Mm -hmm. but i think when it comes to something like annie hall like let's just discount annie hall what happens to diane keaton's performance Mm -hmm. what happens to gordon willis's photography there's innocent bystanders and with Lars von trier i'm sure he has done fucked up shit especially in regards to women but you know i emily watson you know her performance is like transcendent like on the level of Gina Rollins in uh, Woman Under the Influence or pretty much anything she does. Like, mm-hmm. she, she, this is an iconic performance from Breaking the Wave. So when it's like, fuck Lars von Trier. Again, I'm not trying to be pers- prescriptive or like, I totally understand what, what you're saying. But I just, to me, it's like, what happens to her performance if you're just like, wipe away his body of work? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, back on track. I, I do I do sometimes like to go to those very dark places, you know, and those are dark places that Lars von Trier now sort of lives in. He, I wish he would make one more, at least one more movie about love. You know, Breaking the Waves to me, it's so, it, there's total hellish darkness in it, but it's mm-hmm. about love at the core. The house that Jack built, I feel that there's love in it, but it's love for the art form of you know and his own relationship with it mm-hmm. but yeah totally dark totally penetrating and you know you you're affected for days after watching it i think maniac was not that to me yeah i it didn't do that and i don't like that it it has this air about it that it is doing that like oh my god yeah. i'm like in his head like <laughs> uh, i'm committing these atrocities whoa <laughs> you you've seen the british show peep show no oh 
Peep Show is the best. I think you'll like it. Yeah. Binge Peep Show. It's one of the funniest shows and so depressing. But it's this exact same aesthetic of you are looking out of the character's eyes. Mm. So like the camera is the character's eyes. You know what I mean? So it's first person in that way. Mm -hmm. Characters only see themselves when they look in the mirror. It's the exact same format as Maniac. But Peep Show does it so much more effectively. And I found it to be just ineffective. It It wasn't aesthetically annoying. I mean, it definitely couldn't have been longer than it was because it, it's sort of dizzying and it gets old in like this seeing movie? every I think so mm-hmm. yeah um, but it just didn't have that effect of like oh I'm in his head or oh I'm no not I'm there <laughs> well but let's, I want to know your feelings yeah let's um, back up just a little I'm gonna pin that and we'll come back to that because I first want to go through a little bit of the crew on this because there's some some star crew music by Rob there's music by Rob uh, okay, so this is directed by Frank Calfoon, who directed the movie P2. I don't know if you'd seen that film. Um, I saw it in theaters when it came out and hated it. So if I, I think if I had known even the crew on this, I may not have chosen this. It's also co-written by Alexandra Aja, who directed Crawl and Horns and High Tension. Co-written by Gregory Lavasseur, who co-wrote Crawl as well, and P2. Um, I also didn't like Crawl famously, so... <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're just getting a whole bunch of people who have made stuff that I don't like. And the cinematographer, Maxime Alexandra, also did Crawl and High Tension. And then starring Elijah Wood, of course. I think I've only done one Elijah Wood film for the podcast in the past, uh, which was, I don't, was feel, that? I don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. I haven't seen it. It's good. And then this has 53% on Rotten Tomatoes and 74% of Google users liking it. So it's still like generally kind of favorable reviews mid to favorable Mm -hmm. which is interesting um okay so now that that's out of the way this is a remake of the original have you seen the original maniac from 1980 no is it good personally i liked it a lot better than this but i saw this first uh before i found that out (laughs) i didn't know it was a remake i truly knew nothing about this film except that the poster had elijah wood looking scary on it and i go i want to watch that so that was literally the only thing i knew about this movie going in or putting it on my list even i had no idea about anything else so Mm-hmm. So you haven't seen the original either? I have not. Okay, cool. I like the original a lot better, and I find it to be much more effective. The original filmmakers of the original version, they back this. They're behind it. The director, William Lustig, is credited as a producer on this remake, so I find that interesting. I think the whole concept of doing a remake is kind of interesting. I was just going to say, why? why? Yeah. Why do it? Like, imagine watching a movie and then going... That was like, okay, but uh, I could do this. He yeah. didn't. I could do it. Uh, and then just doing the same thing, but kind of fucking it up. <laughs> Trying to think of really good remakes. They have to exist. I don't know. I mean, the only one that's coming to mind right now is Funny Games, but it was the same director shot for shot, you know? Right. People like Cape Fear. It's not my favorite Scorsese, but that's a mm-hmm. remake. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I just find it interesting. It's strange. But yeah, there, so there are a couple major differences between this and the original. One is that this is set in LA. The original is in New York City. The other obvious huge difference being that this is first person POV, which is what you were starting to talk about when I stopped you. <laughs> So they said when they started doing a remake, they started working on a remake of the original film, that they wanted to modernize it. And the way that they chose to do that was through doing the first person POV. I also didn't love it. I think it's really inconsistent. And if they were more consistent with it or executed it 
differently it maybe could have worked but I think going through the plot here we'll get to some of the inconsistencies but um yeah i really didn't love it have you seen any other first person pov films that you can think of you know peep show is the one oh yeah that peep I, show you the, mentioned the, the, sh- the tv show um films mm-hmm. i've seen like amateur like um you know first time filmmakers mm-hmm. try to do it and it to me always feels like a rebuff of peep show i can't think of one that tries to do it for almost the entire film mm-hmm I did one for the podcast called Hardcore Henry, uh-huh. and I think that that one did a lot better job of it than this. There are a couple like really big issues that come out. Like first of all, all of his dialogue is ADR. Right. That sucks. It sucks to listen to, and it feels like it feels like disingenuous because when he's doing like oh uh, you know oh I'm getting uh, hurt uh, or whatever. You know, it's just him like sitting. I watched a video of him doing it, sitting on a bed, like pulling his own arm going uh-huh. <laughs> and saying shit into a microphone. Well, it's quite canned. Yeah, it just feels, yeah, more fake and kind of takes me out of it. Hardcore Henry didn't have it. The main character didn't have any dialogue. They didn't speak. Yeah. Probably they did that to avoid this situation, but I felt like it was more effective that way. They could have done that with this one easily. Yeah, well, I mean... I don't think it worked. It didn't work for me, but it felt consistent with the tone of the movie, which was there's a certain artificial feel. I mean, all of the dialogue is bonkers and <laughs> uh, stylized, and, and it and it's this this different reality. The women have this ditzy dialogue, but it's all you know. It's all. It's not. It's certainly not naturalistic, and the things they're saying are quite silly. And his performance is quite silly but the dialogue to me seems consistently stiff and like intentionally awkward or unreal Mm -hmm. and almost uh not theatrical but it felt like it was going for something it just it wasn't something that was particularly interesting to me and yes there was some (laughs) there was something kind of grating about what is she doing i'm i'm watching her oh no i'm hurt yeah. Why? <laughs> there's too yeah. much dialogue. There's too much dialogue and it's all ADR. And there's not a, a lot of dialogue and there's too much. <laughs> well, yeah, because a lot of a lot of the stuff he's saying out loud is like if you were in that situation, that would be in your head more and we just don't need it to be said. I wonder I kind of wonder a lot with this film because they were able to cast Elijah Wood, who's like, you know, a major actor, and that was probably a huge selling point for this film or a huge way that they got money for it or whatever. I wonder if they hammed up a lot of the stuff just to sort of promote him being in it, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. with that, like having too much dialogue, giving him more of an opportunity to like, quote unquote, act. Um, But also how often they show his face in this, even though the camera perspective is through his eyes most of the time. I, If I saw my face that many times in an average day, <laughs> I would have major depression. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> the way yes. they always find a way to get his face into the shot, it's like forced. It's way too much. Yeah, I mean... I think that you need to break it up. Like, it would be impossible to watch if it was all first-person POV. But my girlfriend made an interesting point. Um, Colleen, uh, I feel like just humanizing her and just mm-hmm. keep Give saying her a name. Girlfriend. 
<laughs> Colleen Rose Trundy, brilliant actor. <laughs> she mentioned like whenever it cuts to an omniscient point of view and you see him, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like there's a reason for it. Yeah. It doesn't feel purposeful. Mm-hmm. It's just like we have to cut it up. We have to break it up. Yeah. We have to break up the monotony. And th- there should be like a reason, like I an agree. intention behind it. So I thought that that was jarring. That's part of the consistency that I am talking about. Too. Right. Like, it's inconsistent. Like if there was, yeah, a meaning like, okay, when he kills, he feels like he's outside of himself watching himself do it. Okay. Right. I could see that. That could be like something you could put onto this, but that's not what's happening. It's kind of almost at random sometimes. You don't know when it's going to happen or it happens in one instance of a certain thing and not another. Yeah, it's random. Yeah. And why would you do that? If you have a first person POV, either commit or don't. I don't know. Right. And then the whole thing about the mannequins, he uh, takes these women's scalps and glues them to mannequin heads. Mm -hmm. I did like the detail that he's at war with the flies that yeah. circle around his the decomposing flesh mm-hmm. that he's attached to mannequins. I like that he hates the flies that <laughs> gather around the, that that But are the, the flies creation. like I was curious about the flies. Are they only in one room of his house because he starts battling the flies and then invites so he meets this other photographer lady that likes photographing mannequins. Only photographs mannequins, she says. Yeah. And he invites her to his house to take pictures of him or to his whatever storefront i guess where he also lives to take pictures of him and the flies aren't an issue then Uh so we have some fly inconsistency we have some flies inconsistencies (laughs) there's a lot of inconsistencies throughout the film and they all kind of drive me nuts i watch it twice now um and i get more nuts the second time i also watched a making of featurette on this film i'll link it in the show notes (laughs) if anybody wants to watch but I think it just even more so pointed out some of those things that I didn't like about this to me. Yeah. Okay, let's kind of go through what happens in this movie a little bit. We've kind of touched on some stuff, so I skip a little bit. Let's go to the first kill. The first kill of a woman he saw on the street and followed home. This was my favorite kill of the film, I think. When he stabs her through the bottom of the chin and you see Uh the knife in her mouth, too. I thought that was pretty sick. What did you think? It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) you hated it i didn't hate it it was just like all right it was fine to you i was tired of gore and violence Mm -hmm. by this point of my life i guess by the first kill you were already sick of violence and then you had eight more to go (laughs) yeah i i um i i admit as i said that i i did not come at this with a totally open mindset. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was good, I, I, I guess. Yeah, I was... Compared to the other kills in, in this film, though, would you not say... There it was, was another kill that I thought was a little cooler. Okay. A little more effective to me. Oh, interesting. Okay, we'll get there. So she starts to scream. He stabs her through the bottom of the chin. She instantly dies, and then he takes her scalp off. Most of the effects in this film are practical or practical that's been digitally superimposed. That, I think, was the only one that was pretty much fully digital the knife but the scalp was still practical so that's interesting they say that he fetishizes the scalp because he has memories of brushing his mother's hair interesting i kind of became surprised that uh, there's times in the film when we see him washing his hands with like a um, steel wool or like a i don't know some kind of like steel sponge Mm -hmm. he seems very opposed to having blood or any kind of shit on his hands at all don't you feel a little surprised he didn't wash the scalps 
He let them just be bloody all over. Interesting. Um, I guess it was a little sloppy of him mm-hmm. to, to not wash the scalps, especially if he had that issue with the flies. Seems like <laughs> a pretty good workaround. He but, could have uh, just washed the scalps. But then he's got blood dripping down all these mannequins. I guess it looks cool, but right. just it doesn't seem to fit his character. Yeah. Well, there is no character. <laughs> It's pretty thin anyway, yeah. Yeah. The second lady that he goes to murder, this is probably the longest relationship he has with somebody who he murders, um, besides the French girl. They meet off of a dating website where they first start IMing on like AIM. Uh, (laughs) And his screen name is I Am Timid. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's great humor, come on. You're not having it in any way. We've established I don't laugh, I guess. (laughs) It's so funny you forgot to laugh. Your beautiful, cathartic laugh has to make up for the both of us. There we go. Oh, soothing. Stop. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's always fun when they do computer stuff in movies because they are so often, um, has anyone ever used a computer is what you think when you're watching it. Right. Well, this was 2012. Well, still, we weren't on AIM in 2012. We were many years away from AIM. (laughs) But that's what I mean about this being a different world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very heightened reality. And it does, it is effective, I guess, in the sense that it feels like a fever dream or a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So those sort of bugs or inconsistencies don't bother me as, as much mm-hmm. it's just a silly little thing yes it, it's it's a silly little thing it's all <laughs> silly the casting of elijah wood stirred up the horror freak community i guess because they thought he was too hot to be a serial killer uh-huh. um, the guy in the original maniac was like uh, let's just say he looked a lot different he was like a chubby yes. italian guy a little older uh uh-huh. you know it looked a little more maybe the part i guess well who's the uh Ed Bundy, or who's the serial killer that was kind of good looking? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. What did I say? Ed. Ed Bundy. Ed Bundy. Emma Watson. Yeah. I know it's not Carmen Al Bundy. Esposito. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, this I, is I great. Know. No, keep keep doing the name. You do the names like you're so close. You're like so close, but you're just like a little wrong. It's my entire career. No, that's amazing. I think that's so really funny. No, um. Yeah, so <laughs> there it is. Oh, I'm bathing in it. <laughs> so what? What? Uh, so you think he can be hot? Is what you're saying? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think there. Are, I think that. Uh, yeah, there are good-looking serial killers. Probably. I mean, it's also um, a strange thing for 2012. Like almost the aim thing almost works because the serial killer is kind of timeless but at the same time dated like in real life mm-hmm. like we're at the being school a serial shooter. killer is so out like it's over like what are you doing being a serial killer in 2012 there's shooters now there's mass there is sh- one serial shooters. killer currently happening in california somewhere oh really i just saw stories about this recently i guess it's hard to totally go out of style yeah but it is old school but it's retro it's so retro it's to retro be a it's such a, th- a throwback <laughs> Um, yeah right such a hipster <laughs> thing to be a- it's probably just like so hard to do now right i mean uh elijah wood it you know he's good he's he's but it doesn't need to be him like it is definitely a he's, star he's too good for this movie 
I, it's not possibly. bad. It's not his fault that it's bad. The movie no, is bad, not. and he was placed in it, and he's done what he can. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, it doesn't have to be him. Mm-hmm. It could easily be someone who's less. Probably would be better if it's someone who's less known, mm-hmm. but has like a really distinctive face and vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep going back to Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I don't know how known that actor was. I'm not even going to attempt to remember his name. <laughs> Um, I think he was somewhat known, but he just is that guy. Like, you just, you see him, he's not, like, a major celeb, and you just are like, that is the guy, that's mm-hmm. the face, that's the voice, that's the energy, and Elijah Wood um, is, isn't that. Mm-hmm. But it's not his fault, you know? And yeah. you know what? It's not even really the movie's fault, because you need to fund it somehow. Yeah. And that's how you do it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you got to find a way to muddy the guy up a little bit, or tweak the performance and in some way and this felt like a very you know baby clean fresh elijah wood mm-hmm. like i don't know put some sit on a suit is it soot what do you call it soot <laughs> i think soot? soot yeah put some soot on him fuck up his teeth a little bit i don't know yeah make him look a little scarier yeah they thought it would be more scary to have him look like have a serial killer who's looking like boy next door cute Versus uh-huh. having a serial killer who looks like a serial killer. They thought it would be more scary. I didn't find that to be true personally. Also because not only, okay, whatever, he's like classically a little more hunky than a serial killer type. Okay, but but if you think about he's in this restaurant or wherever he is with these women and he's always like being weird. He's <laughs> His vibes yeah. are being weird. He's like having panic attacks, but like breathing weird and making little <laughs> 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 sitting there um, has to leave the room. He's sweating. You know, so I still think of him as like, even though we're not always like seeing his face, I think of him as like kind of like a sweaty like nervous, shifty looking guy sitting there. So I still don't yeah. think they would maybe be as attracted to him as they are. I mean, I guess in this fever dream world, he needs to be attractive so these girls just throw themselves on mm-hmm. to him, but I think there's like a different kind of attractive that might have read more like a safety brothers attractive mm-hmm. you know where like the guy could be a total creep but he's kind of hot he's kind of got that edge kinda, kinda yeah like that, an edgy yeah. hot instead of just like yeah. a, a handsome young boy <laughs> yeah i mean i think there are deeper problems with this movie than True. elijah yeah. wood's face but and we'll get yeah. there but <laughs> yeah sure yeah. but that's just one thing and also in some scenes he has like really fucked up hands too yeah but sometimes he doesn't and that's another thing that i found inconsistent if i was a woman on a date i think i would notice the bloody knuckles yeah. <laughs> his hands are all cut up bloody like fucked up looking yeah, yeah i've noticed but maybe some people like that of course some people like that maybe the girl that he goes on this restaurant date with that he met on aim she was interesting <laughs> she's like yeah. a hot topic like e-girl with the largest lip ring i've ever seen uh-huh. and she invites him into her apartment and plays goodbye horses on the record player I found is that in Silence of the Lambs? Yes. It's like very uh-huh. famously in Silence of the yeah, Lambs. Yeah, right. So why? It was a little much to me. Yeah. Although I watched like, I skimmed through this other video of a of a guy's podcast talking about this film and how it was so amazing. Uh-huh. And they got to that part and they go, he played that song from Silence of the Lambs on the radio. And like, that was fucking sick. That was so sick, dude. And I was like. Sounds like a typical guy. It was four guys, actually. <laughs> Ugh, even worse. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you like it, you like it, I guess. But I just thought yeah. that was a little, 
I thought it was kind of cringe, to be honest. I think it's an you have an opportunity to play something different. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. not, I don't really dig regurgitating other mm-hmm. you know things from other films. It, I get homages. I get yeah. um, you know. I snuck into Amsterdam, the new David O. Russell movie, mm-hmm. and just like watched a little bit, and I was like, I kind of do get this. Like, I, it's like a nod to noir and like these mm-hmm. sprawling, um, you know, the glamour of classic. Hollywood. I think there that is such like a direct reference. Like having that song, it's so like on the nose. You might as well have the character in here. But like, there are ways you can do homage or do a nod or reference that are way more subtle. (laughs) It's like it's like if you had a comedy and there was a goofy animal in it, and every time you saw the animal shaking its tush, it would be like, "It's all right, (laughs) nobody worry about me." You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, so why? It, it's, yeah, it was a lot. It's like when those horrible parody movies, like scary movies like that, mm-hmm. kind of, it's like when they started parodying comedies. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did you ever see any of those? Like, it's the parody of the 40-year-old version. But... Yeah, it's like, how do you parody a con? So, yeah, it's like, how do you lift something from another horror movie? And it's like, it's like that other movie I saw. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> but having said that, it did work aesthetically and mm-hmm. to me it i mean the mise-en-scene of it was there oh sorry <laughs> as i said it i was like i sound like a film school <laughs> teacher breaking or out the french <laughs> um, you started it with the je ne sais quoi oh i did <laughs> um, that was a long time ago that was a, that was yeah. <laughs> that was the old me <laughs> yeah but they also have such a good composer on this i know we rob. ragged we ragged him for being rob but the score is probably one of my favorite parts of this film. Yes, the sto- the score keeps it together. It rips. And that making of thing that I watched, unfortunately, the composer is French and there were no subtitles because of the way that I had found this making of documentary thing um, that I didn't know anything that he said. And I wish that I knew what he <laughs> what his um, concepts or ideas or thoughts behind doing the score for this film were. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my French... I mean, I only know a couple a little bit. Right. (laughs) So couldn't get much from it, but I wish I knew more. Anyway, we hated the goodbye horses thing. So part of what happens with the way that they filmed this, being that POV perspective, is that a lot of the times when we're seeing his hands or his feet, or most of the time even, it's not Elijah's hands. It is sometimes one hand of Elijah's and one hand of a body double. And it is sometimes the hands of the cinematographer. So in that way, too, you can tell the difference between the hands a lot of the times. And especially I feel like when the cinematographer's hands are the hands, he is 10 years older than Elijah Wood Mm -hmm. and his hands look old. I mean, clearly a man, clearly like a rugged man and not just like a soft young boy such as Elijah, (laughs) um, who is older than both of us. (laughs) Get away from her. (laughs) But the first time that that is super apparent is the titty grabbing scene where she's like naked and he's just doing a lot with her with her tits whatever that is the cinematographer's hands and he's just doing (laughs) let me do it come on let me do it yeah uh this one i'm gonna need to do boys (laughs) (laughs) it's a camera stuff you wouldn't understand (laughs) leave the room yeah (laughs) we make him like an old brooklyn guy or chicago guy uh, even though he's very french man (laughs) 
But yeah, you can tell there. And that's like the first time where we see his hands are all fucked up too. But only moments earlier, we've seen Elijah Wood in the mirror at the restaurant washing his face. So we see his hands there. They're clean. They're clean, white, pristine hands. And even when they're in the living room before that, we see his hands for just a moment. I think he's like grabbing a glass or something. She tries to give him a drink and clean, pristine hands. And then we turn around to grab her tits. Suddenly they're bloody. So mm-hmm. that's just another another one of those things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, yes, I agree. Yes, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you hate talking about this movie. <laughs> no, I don't. I just like, no, I like it. I like it. Let's, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Yeah, rain me in. You're having a terrible time. <laughs> no, I'm not. I love this. I love this. I do. And you're lying. <laughs> I'm not. And you're lying I'm when not. you said you're not lying. So I'm going to be so depressed when this is over. I'm going to be like <laughs> so depressed. Because <Shut> <laughs> I was like, I was just getting ready to talk about myself more. <laughs> yeah. You can, if you have a story to relate. Um, oh, one time I grabbed a girl's titties and my hands were all bloody too. I totally <laughs> see myself in this. <laughs> Yeah, well, this isn't a meeting, so I, I won't be sharing those stories. Okay, yeah, yeah, it would be a first for you to publicly share some kind of um, private bedroom uh, information. Uh, that's a joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. You're a jokester. I'm a little trickster, little trickster clown. Has anyone told you you should do comedy? Shut up. <laughs> I just don't think I would be good at it. I don't know. I think you would be good. Go up there with a story, and f- I think you're likable. Thank you. I don't it's know big. if I have stories that are, especially these days, I hardly know what to talk about. I don't do shit. Mm. I sit at home and watch movies by myself that are so sounds fucked like up a, and nobody else has ever watched. <laughs> sounds like a fun life <laughs> in your fun apartment. Is this an apartment or a house? It's in a, well, it's kind of both, I guess. I live in one of those kind of places where like it looks like a house, but it's split up into units. You know what I mean? So it's not like an yeah. apartment building, but like it is units. I just love your life and I wish I could sample it. <laughs> Just be in your being John Malkovich to you. I don't know. I don't know if it would be as interesting as you feel like it is. <laughs> yeah, just to escape my fucking self for a little bit. Aww. <laughs> just um, <laughs> sit around and watch movies. You just sat around and watched movies for two weeks while you had COVID, and you said you had the worst depression you've ever had in your life. <laughs> so um, uh, not in my life, but yeah, for a couple. Uh, I don't know take why. Take a little I need peep into my that. brain. <laughs> it doesn't matter, dude. I'd love to crawl around that brain of yours. I sit around in my apartment love to and pick watch your brain. Fucked up little movies movies all day long and um don't <laughs> I talk love to f- people don't know how to anymore <laughs> yeah 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 i didn't watch any good movies though i really i watched hud uh with my girlfriend she had never seen it with paul newman and that that was like it i tried watching a sajat ray movie because he's like one of my favorite directors i tried watching something that and by the way i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right because i'm a moron but it's probably close but a little off what do you think I'm holding up a book of him, of his lectures. Sachi. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got in a fight with my girlfriend midway through and got an email that I lost a job. No. So, like, I was like, I can't, I can't, right now, I can't watch this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just Dahmer and fucking goofy, mediocre comedies to try to just escape myself and wash out the Dahmer. Yeah. Let's get back on track. <laughs> 
Okay, so where were we? We did the titties. He gets a little bit of a BJ and then murders this woman and takes her scalp off. At long, juicy scalping. Yes. The longest and juiciest, I think, of the film. So when she's giving him a BJ and she's naked and there's titty touching, Mm -hmm. how can you not acknowledge that this is erotic? Or it, (laughs) like, would be erotic for a lot of people? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, It just, it didn't feel sexual to me the whole thing is weird uh, she was a weird character anyway yeah. and then just I, I don't know I think it's like kind of tropey or something to like do the thing where you leave the room and come back naked yeah like this I don't know I've never seen that done well in real life <laughs> or successfully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not really into it and she's kind of pressuring yeah. him a little bit it, it, none of it feels like oh we're getting like hot and heavy yeah. now you know i didn't mean like i didn't i mean be like why aren't you like attracted to the like i just mean like it's to me it's so inherent to these type of movies uh, that it is a sexual it's a fusing of violence and sexuality mm-hmm. um i mean clearly the whole thing is yeah it is fused for him like he has some weird sexual attraction to his mom and this whole thing is him like playing out that weird fantasy or yeah reclaiming his trauma and turning it into something strange so yeah it is based in sexuality for him yeah it, it yeah. is like a horny but thing. and for us not all of us, but for a huge percentage of the people who are watching this movie. Maybe so. Yeah. You don't you don't think so? <laughs> Probably I mean, you like so. Ha- what? You like Halloween, right? Yeah, Halloween's Not- yeah, it's a good movie. Halloween's okay? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. But that's like such a you it's the girls are in skimpy outfits and you know the, the they're shot in sex from like you know, titillating angles and stuff. Like it's just it's a part of this genre. Uh, it's usually more they're shot from a male perspective. They're shot more right. like um, exploitatively or like from a creep's eyes. And I am averse to creeps. I've been creeped on and I don't like it. I don't find that sexy. <laughs> um, yes. You know, it's not again. It's not about it's not. A, I'm not saying like, why don't you find it sexy? I'm just like, you could acknowledge that this is <laughs> a male like fantasy. A sexy- yes. <laughs> You, you keep saying that. It is a male fantasy, kind of, depending on which male you're talking to. It's mm-hmm. probably in a lot, most of them. But it like it, I, I just don't think it's only a male thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I, I get the male gaze thing, I just don't... I think it's something that, like, a lot of women have rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. You know, like... And the thing with the gaze thing is interesting, the male gaze thing. I think that there's a different kind of... There's a difference between something that's like erotic in a good way and something that's kind of piggish in like a man-centric kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like David Lynch, for instance, Mahala Drive. Like that's a sexy movie. Like a lot mm-hmm. of his movies are sexy. Like, But it, it's like classy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everyone can be turned on by it. You know, and there, it's like tasteful. It doesn't feel like it's like from a pervy angle. It's, it's hot as hell. Yeah. But it's like everyone's in on it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like for everyone, the the women are into that. It just feels like a, a an all-inclusive, healthy dose of eroticism. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I don't know, like a National Lampoon, like Dorm Days 2 or like, <laughs> I, I or, or, you know, like some trashier slashers. It's very much like, yeah, let's shoot her tits from like up high and we can see down in her cleavage or like make her run. And so your her tits bounce and, you yeah. know. Like, that's more of a sort of piggish male thing, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I don't exactly judge, but it's, yes, that's much, um, I I, I get why that's grosser. And I find it grosser, but I also am turned on by things that um, 
gross me out mm-hmm. in a way kind of <laughs> not, not like stinky socks i don't mean that i just mean like like two and a half men is very hot to me like something because it's so evil like it's so it's so trashy it's so objectifying to the actresses men. the worldview is so nihilistic and gross and and it's like the inside of a mcdonald's bag and but like, that's hot to me because it's so depraved uh-huh. and i hate it and i hate it and if i beat off to it after it's it's and by the way not full episodes it's like the clips, and uh, I, if I do that afterwards, I immediate I, I immediately put on the most sensitive, lovey like Towns Van Towns Van Zant song or something, something to like reel me I'm in and ready like to beat off. Let me go on YouTube.com and search for clips of two and a half men. Again, not as uncommon as you think. Um, <laughs> Look, it's not my go-to. It's not my go-to. It's probably good for if you're afraid of being caught. No, babe, I'm just watching Two and a Half Men. It's normal. No, she would. She would call the the. She'd get me in a psychiatric unit if she saw me just like lounging around watching Two and a Half Men. It's what I like now. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. That's great. No, I celebrate that for you. Like I'll I'll watch like this like shit that just like I hate it. Like I'm like it's so wrong. Like bang bang bros or some douchey thing, and then it'll end, and then I'll like immediately go to a Towns Van Zant lovey dovey song that I probably have queued up. Uh-huh. So it's like total gross misogynist crap, and then like. You know that I still love you. You know doesn't mean that I don't love you. And I'm just like curled up on my pillow, like almost shedding a tear. <laughs> you like to do so a little du- crying after J-O-ing. Uh, no, I don't like it. That's the duality of life. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. My porn searches aren't especially misogynistic compared to what some uh-huh. of my like i've talked to <laughs> talked to other like male friends and i'm like oh man you're fucked up i, yeah. you, I judge you <laughs> we'll not get into that <laughs> okay all right i'll stop i'll stop i'll just be your court gesture of perversion and <laughs> you can keep your cards close to your chest mm-hmm <laughs> I should probably keep it closer to my chest. I don't know. I feel compelled to talk about certain things, I guess. I don't know. You can talk about whatever you want. I I was so stupid because I was like, I'll admit I took a little bite of an edible mm-hmm. when I was watching this thing. And there was this girl you're talking about with the killing. Mm-hmm. And she has like a lot of tattoos, kind of hot topic-y, a lot of piercings. Yeah. And I don't know. She came out naked and stuff. And I just was like, for no reason at all, I was just like to my girlfriend, did you know that I'm not attracted to tattoos? Like, like, and then she just like looked at me and I didn't realize she was looking at me with her mouth agape. And then I looked at her, I was like, not yours. No, I love yours. Uh, I was like, why did I say that? Like when you tattooed. just sort of like, yeah, but she's not like, like the this woman we're talking about, that's like a porno search, like tattoos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Her like tattoos are covered. fake. They have been like placed onto her for the film yeah right Mm -hmm. that's the kind of that's what i meant like just like covered in tattoos that's Mm -hmm. not particularly my thing but like you my girlfriend's like why do you need to tell me that like (laughs) it's it's just when you're stoned and like self-indulgent like did you know that i'm not like it's like really 
<laughs> I was always wondering that about that's such an interesting facet of your personality. Back to the film. <laughs> well, a lot of people do fetishize them. Um, Everything's yeah. fetishized. A lot of people don't give a shit. I yes. once dated someone who told me if I got a tattoo that he would no longer be attracted to me. What a winner. But then I got many tattoos, and guess what? That wasn't true. So <laughs> There you go. There you go. You know? Who can yeah. say? Okay, the movie. <laughs> I guess the next interesting thing would be like the entrance of the woman he like falls in love with, the French girl. Mm-hmm. We get like the first piece of like backstory on what's going on with him there. Um, that he's like a mannequin restorer. Uh-huh. And we've seen I didn't even put that together. That it's like his shop is like second generation. It was his mom's shop. She restored mannequins and now he does that. But he also has like a bedroom full in the back of mannequins that he is in love with, that he's stapling all these scalps to. And when he does that, we did get like a little bit of a delusion of one time when he stapled the the hair, the scalp onto a mannequin, they looked real to him for a little bit. I don't know. Maybe uh-huh. they're real to him, um, but the ones in the front are normal. And uh, that's a little bit of story we get about him. His mom died and he has this mannequin shop now. Well, also, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but he had to watch his mom have sex a lot because I guess she mm-hmm. was sex worker, right? I don't or know she if she was... a lot of guys. I think she was just... She just uh, was getting around a little bit i don't think she was a sex worker i think she just liked having sex no because remember when he was like why'd you do it for money Hmm. i don't know maybe yeah but she also seemed to like be having a good time she was doing drugs she's bringing all these guys home she was banging guys on the street yes and the kids just watching yeah and old rob (laughs) the composer Uh when it's a the second flashback of him as a child watching his mom get fucked Mm mm-hmm um, and we've all been like, there. Why, uh, why do you think I'm jerking off to two and a half minutes? Uh, it was her favorite show. And um, shout out to mom. Um, what was I about to say? Yeah, Rob, the composer. When when the kid, the second time he as a child is looking at his mom get fucked in the in the street, and then he turns away and walks. And it's Rob's score turns into it's like circusy music, like it's like at one time it was children's music, but it's been mm. so the postmodern usage of it is always in like a horror setting, mm-hmm. and like so for Rob to go there, uh, I wish I could do, I wish I could fucking do the melody, but for Rob to put that, like it's like taunting, like yeah, clown, evil clown music or something mm-hmm. as the kids walking away, it really um, heightens your sense of this kid's trauma. Yeah. Being a kid who's traumatized by his mom having sex all the time. But not it's like not only is she like having a lot of sex, but she's constantly like, shut up, go away. I think that's probably more traumatizing than just like your mom is having sex there. Well, not just that. It was, sometimes it was like, look at me. Like she almost wanted him to look at her. Mm-hmm. And she's like um, unfazed by him watching. <laughs> she still seems right. to be having quite a good time even though he's watching or maybe because he's watching so hot (laughs) so maybe those things are more traumatizing i don't know yeah he meets the french broad he's in love with her she's different from the other girls in what way in what way is she She, different (laughs) she's more modest she's blonde she's french Mm -hmm. um all of these things setting her apart from the other girl she's an artist you know, and mm. she likes mannequins, which he also likes. So they have one thing yeah. in common. Her art was pretty cool. It was interesting. Well, like the art was fine. Here's what I thought when he goes to her art show. This is like way later in the movie, but 
when he goes to her art show and she had borrowed all these mannequins from him to install in her art show and does projections onto their face of her face Mm -hmm. that was hysterical to me they look so stupid and (laughs) (laughs) they just looked so dumb and bad uh with these projections of her face on them it was like all distorted it just looked really stupid and then he makes sure to mention it like oh is that your face projected on them and she's like yeah and he's like that's awesome it looks really cool but i just thought it was so corny and dumb (laughs) yeah right that that was funny to me you disagree i there was a lot of humans turning into mannequins and i didn't uh didn't dig that yeah so we got another kill in here and this is the girl that he finds i think on the train he starts following her on the train they get off the train and he's like running after her basically those shots were done on a segway which is Kind of silly, but fun. I found it interesting when I was watching that whenever he's following these women at night, I didn't know that it was LA at first, but I'm like, they seem to be in a major city. They have public transit. There are no people on the street, like not a single person on the street. That's like Uh one of the things about living in a major city is that there are always people on the street, right? Is LA like that too? Because I only know New York. No. So then when I found out it was LA, I was like, okay, I can kind of believe this then because I thought it was New York at first. But yeah, L.A., there's you might pass a person on the street at night, but there, it's really there's really not many, at least not in my experience. OK, so that was kind of accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, kind of accurate, actually. But uh, yeah, so they go into a car parking lot. You get that scene of him cutting her Achilles heel from under the car. It's like she's walking. You see her pass behind a wheel. And then the first step of her leg past the wheel is like a fake rubber leg with a joint that's made to go the wrong way so when they cut it and it like her ankle kind of breaks or whatever that was kind of gross it was kind of fucked up looking uh did you cringe a little yeah i don't yeah i don't <laughs> like stuff like that really i don't like stuff like that either so what was the next interesting part <laughs> we're over that murder the next interesting part <laughs> is the date with him and the french girl when they go to the movies and they see the the cabinet of dr calamagari is that how you say that caligari yeah oh my god <laughs> i can't get one thing entirely right no but that's it's when funny. i it's cute that, that, <laughs> you just messed that, it up that, a little bit you're always uh, so close no that's yeah. like that's great i love that mm, i wish you would keep yeah. messing stuff up just a little bit because you're so close every time that's what's oh. really funny you like you have it. it's in there you uh, know it. yes you you think <laughs> um yeah that's when i knew it wasn't new york when yeah. they show a theater that says the cabinet of dr Mari. Um, cause I was like, yeah, that's, that's not a movie theater in New York. Yeah. That's the palace theater in LA. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they go to see that. And I just wanted to watch that movie when they were showing yeah. it. I was like, we got, we just have to watch that cause I've never <laughs> seen it. And I'd love to watch, see it in a theater. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I would so much rather be watching that movie. Yeah. I jested with my girlfriend that I wish he that he, he, he had just been watching that movie and we could watch a better movie through his <laughs> eyes. But he starts watching it and then it turns into like, I don't know, a projection of a memory or something it's like he watches himself doing one of his murders yeah yeah artsy bullshit <laughs> i was trying to figure out what theater it was too because i've been to a lot of theaters everywhere yeah. <laughs> and i was like what chairs at a theater in new york city look even close to this right <laughs> so yeah they have like a little date they go to the movies at 9 p.m she's been flirting with them this whole time then they come out yes. and she answers the phone and she's like oh yeah my boyfriend's at a bar he wants right. to meet, meet up with us this felt like an afterthought to me like in the writing yeah it was weird at first when she did that i was like 
oh, she's such a tease. Like, why would she? Mm-hmm. I mean, a tease, not in like a sexist way. Like, really, like you teased him. Yeah. You know, like this is legitimately you let him on. Like anyone would say mm-hmm. this was odd that you did that. Mm-hmm. You've been flirting with him. And now you're just like, oh, my boyfriend. She's accepted then, jewelry from him. She's like wearing a necklace that he gave her that he made for her. Yeah. And asked him to go hang out at 9 p.m. at the movies together. Just the two yes. of them. Yes. And then go meet her boyfriend. But then, but then when he was like, no. And then she's like, please, come on, come on, please. Mm-hmm. I, it almost felt real to me because I could see that in, like, in a weird courtship with like a hip girl in the big city. Like it's this teasing and then it's like, oh, I have a boyfriend. But you want to hang out with my boyfriend? Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? Like I, that didn't feel completely off to me once that scene progressed. Mm-hmm. It just was strange, though. <laughs> I don't know. It felt like it was, it was wrote in later. Yeah. Another weird, this is just like a weird shot, but there's a shot of him standing in front of a mirror when he's like tilting his head side to side and the whole camera is tilting too. Yeah. I didn't like that. Uh, your whole view doesn't tilt when you tilt your I head. Did, I did you think know? about that. <laughs> oh, it's and I was weird. like, well, if you're if you're looking at someone, I get he's, he's a serial killer and he's obsessive and so he's just going to stare head on at whoever he's talking to. Mm-hmm. But... When you're talking to someone, like, you look around. Yeah. You know, so to just, it it just seems like such a tedious aesthetic or, like, like to a... To try and maintain. To do, yeah, yeah, it just, I, I just would imagine just being so done with it. At, like, if I was the <laughs> DP yeah. or the director, like, at the end of the movie, like, the production, I'd be like, never again. Never again will we I ever do something like this again. It's just It just gets so tedious. I think they had so much fun with it, actually. I think really? the cinematographer was like obsessed with just like playing it just I think it was very playful to them like uh-huh. they're playing around with different cameras different techniques they got different types of harnesses involved yeah there's one point later where there's a car accident and what happens is that they hit Elijah Wood with the car and he flips over the car but since it's POV the camera is doing that right mm-hmm. so they like had this whole contraption of like a little ball that was like suspended so that the car could hit it and the camera was inside the ball and the ball could bounce around the car or stuff like that so they like got all these contraptions involved and there's so much like choreography involved um between elijah and his body double trying to figure out how to have a pair of hands in the view of the camera that are two different people's hands but they have to read as one person's hands so sometimes they are handing objects back and forth to each other or they are two hands choking someone out or whatever that they have to work together in such a way Mm -hmm. that the choreography became like a huge part of it and just like it's almost like a i don't know you see like people taking like movement classes or something where you have to do like weird like movements with each other and like let's become one moving our bodies together or whatever right it just felt like they were they were getting really wrapped up into the play of it all Mm -hmm. and i think that they were so wrapped up into the play and the fun and the goofiness of doing of the actual execution of doing pov that we lost a lot of like the movie because of that (laughs) Like we, a lot of the consistency. The consistency or, and the feeling that we could have gotten yeah. or the performances from the actors even. like It's so much different acting when you're looking someone in the eyes versus when you have to talk into a camera and say lines yes. by yourself because the person who's doing the other set of lines is doing his in ADR. He's not talking to right. you. you know? so, well, which is why it's actually kind of smart that they decided that the dialogue would be really off 
kilter and the performances are really stunted. I mean, the performances are like, it's like porno acting sometimes, <laughs> but not, but in a, in a way that got tedious, but I didn't think it was like the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Like it would have, it would have been more of a, of a disaster if they had tried to get these actresses to respond naturally to nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, it, it felt deliberate and um, I, you know, playfulness is, is great and I, I need a movie to feel alive mm-hmm. and lively and uh, innovative, but it doesn't always make for the piece it's, as yeah. a whole to be, uh, yeah, So I great. think like on set they had a great experience. They're having fun. They're goofing. They're doing all this crap, but like it doesn't necessarily come through in the movie. It doesn't serve the film. Isn't it funny when you see a blooper reel and the bloopers aren't even that funny? Like, and the, it's like, look what a great time it was to make this movie. And really, people are just like, I so did you say action? Okay, <laughs> like that's like the hilarious blooper, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's like uh, you had to be there. I mean, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that shot with him doing the head tilt in the mirror. That was weird. I thought. Is that a nod to Michael Myers? Because the famous scene in Halloween where he like mm. pins the girl on the wall and then his like head cocks to one side, like he's studying her. I didn't think of that, but it probably is based on what we've seen in the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are other times too where even though we're POV, we'll get like a close up of something. We get a close up of his hands a couple times or just things are zoomed in. And the director was like, well, sometimes you do like kind of, I don't know, you're focusing on one thing. So you're kind of zoomed into it, even though your viewpoint is more mm-hmm. of a wide shot or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think if they're going to say that and do that, like we focus close up on the hand sometimes because your brain does that then why wouldn't they also apply that to him looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and that's consistency mm-hmm. okay so after her art show we meet her boyfriend for the first time basically the only poc in the movie and he is an evil villain <laughs> uh-huh. uh which is great we love that <laughs> yes their interaction in the bathroom is so strange where he's like oh yeah she loves hanging with her gay friends so she can hang with men and not worry about getting fucked oh that's the part about exploring his white male fragility when you have the intimidating black dude yeah and being like you're gay yeah and then he wipes his hand his meaty hands on his <laughs> lapel or whatever yeah. he just wipes his wet hands off on his jacket and then like does a maniacal laugh and leaves the bathroom yes you're like what even was this this is weird well it's getting into his psyche yeah i guess uh, so. Yeah, this is a old movie you know i also like in real life thought elijah wood was gay for most of my life really i don't know where that came from but i just thought he was a gay man for the longest time and then i think maybe when i was doing research for the other elijah wood movie that i saw he was like married and has a baby or something and i was like that's so weird i thought he was gay this whole time never was Mm -hmm. i don't know where that came from i remember in eternal sunshine because that was like my favorite movie in sixth grade and like up until a long time Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like a formative movie for me Mm -hmm. and i remember always kind of wishing he wasn't in it and like (laughs) i i i don't know if that was like his character is pretty unlikable and annoying so it's he's perfectly cast like he's perfectly cast for that role Mm -hmm. but at the time i remember i had like some slight aversion to him and i didn't know why so you didn't like him forever he wasn't someone where i'm like like still to this day i'm not like fuck yeah elijah wood Mm -hmm. you know but but it's like that like um who who's his name like i, I don't know why i'm blanking on everything mm. ewan mcgregor okay is that his name yeah i think that's actually right i think you got yeah, one right <laughs> like every time i see him I'm like i know he's a good actor but he just doesn't interest me some people i think everyone has these actors 
who just like have yeah. a face or something that is just not you don't want to see them i have some yeah you know who's the guy that's like james bond now the british guy daniel craig yeah I hate him. Right. I can't watch him. Well, he doesn't do very interesting projects. There's not really something I can pinpoint, like, why. It's just one of those things. But I think everybody has those people. Yeah. Elijah Wood, though, one of my first favorite movies that I remember having in my life, Elijah Wood stars in, which was Radio Flyer. Did you say favorite movie? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Radio Flyer. I've never heard of it. 1992 film. It's got Tom Hanks, Elijah Wood. It is kind of like a deeper cut, I think. I was a child. He's a child. I was a child when I saw it. I have no idea if it holds up. I have not watched it in probably 20 years or longer. But when I was a kid, I watched it a thousand times. I loved it so much. It's like, it's mainly about Elijah Wood and his younger brother in the film. They have an abusive alcoholic stepdad and they're just trying to like make it through it's like all through their perspective um i don't know why that was relatable to me um at the time (laughs) we won't get into that um (laughs) but um that was yeah one of my first like one of the first films i remember being my favorite film so i i don't know if i'm like super like crazy into elijah wood or something but i would say i have long-term fond memories yeah yeah I want. I should rewatch cool. that film. Okay, so we met the boyfriend. He's an asshole. We also meet the manager, the French chick's manager, who's also an asshole. And this becomes the next victim. Yes. He follows that manager home. She's older. She's she's a little older, and she has this night at the gallery. She's an asshole to him, and then goes home and like blasts Ava Maria and gets in the tub with a glass of wine. Hell yeah. As all middle-aged women do. Yeah, pretty par for the course. Yeah. He comes in and first hands her her wine when she's not looking and then drowns her in the tub a little bit Mm. he soft drowns her because she doesn't die (laughs) just a light drowning (laughs) Mm -hmm. elijah has said that that part of the film was the only time when playing a killer kind of got to him a little bit like having to hold an actual person underwater by the neck while they just Mm -hmm. hold their breath and die uh that was the only time when it felt when it felt real you know, to him. Right, right. I just thought that's interesting. A lot of the dialogue in that area is all just like directly ripped from the original. All that stuff when he does that monologue about her needing to sleep with all those guys and, mm-hmm. oh, did you think you could change your hair and makeup and I wouldn't recognize you? All that stuff was from the original. This was the scene I found most erotic. Well, this it is, is basically like kind of soft porn. Like he ties her up in such a manner. Yes. <laughs> You were interested in the tying up. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) And then kind of slowly drags that knife across her back. He was being That's when I got a little bit like like I was wondering am I going to watch this later when I'm alone. <laughs> and I I, I I it was like the tying up was like the big thing. Mm-hmm. But is that p- particular position that uh-huh. not it's not You'd all You say t- that's your like, favorite position. Oh, when like the feet are tied <laughs> up in the air like that. Uh-huh. Yes. Hogtied. Hogtied? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that one. I don't like all forms of being tied up, but uh, yeah. I'm going too, too deep in this. But, but yeah, the, the, but yeah, we're the finding knife. out all your fetishes on this on this uh, ep. You know what? <laughs> I'm just like letting it, letting <laughs> ladies. No, I'm just like letting it rip. I don't know why. I'm just like don't give a fuck because you feel anymore. comfortable talking to me. Yeah, yeah, right. It's my fault um, actually. I pull this out in people. Yeah, right. I do. It's um, actually true. It's good. That's good that you do that. You make people feel safe and people want to tell me all plat- their secrets. Give them a platform to embarrass themselves. <laughs> well, I'm not telling you everything I've ever thought. I am. I am, I am st- I'm, this You're holding is measured. back some. Okay. I'm holding back a lot. 
And uh, I we'll, we'll get that later off mic. I, I <laughs> no, we won't. It's over off mic. Like if we were just having coffee and I kept talking about what I beat off to, like you would be like, you would start looking around and like, what? Like, am I safe with this guy? Like, but yeah, this is a this is a format where we can do it. Because um, we're not in yeah. the same room, we're physically we're separated. Not in the same room. So There's a computer. Yeah. It's it's elevated. Mm-hmm. Everything. I find sometimes there's certain people You're we can have. You're used to going on the computer to see what you jack off about. Yeah, not by choice. <laughs> I mean, if I could never jerk off again, I'd love that. Yeah. But I um um I hate myself. But no, no I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> Reel it in. I'm awesome. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Affirmations. I love jacking I, off. Jacking off is good. Not for me. No, no, no. I can't lie. I can't lie about that. I don't love it. Um, I think it, it seems like it would be fun for guys. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. You get tired. It's like of taking a shit. Horny. It's like taking a shit. Yeah. It really is like a like that. Like it really is like that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how um, I think about it too. It just seems more yeah. um, functional for men. Interesting. Like how so? It's just easy. You just do the thing. It comes out. It's over. You move on with your day. Right. Or you or you hate yourself just a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, maybe um, so. Well, being horny for men is also a little bit, there might be shame involved these days, especially. Oh, you, you mean because men are evil now? Yeah. Or it's just more talked about how gross it, men are. I don't know if that gets internalized. I don't know. Oh, yes. Yeah. White, straight, male. Yeah. You're basically walk around like you're Elijah Wood <laughs> in, ma- in Maniac. Like, that's how you feel. But uh, yeah, um, the knife. That was when I sort of, when I was like, okay, this isn't something that I, like, there would be a snippet of this I would find hot. But I don't, I don't like it when it's like, gets gory like that. Mm-hmm. When he's cutting. Yeah, that, that's where I kind of like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But that scalp, the, when he rips her scalp off, mm-hmm. that was the one for me. That yeah. was like, that was effective and triggering because like, there is an eroticism to it, I think. I get triggered by movies that I, by the way, I'm you in other situations, uh, like, like people dump everything on me, mm-hmm. but because the dynamic is different yeah. now, I'm the I'm the interviewee. You're the dumper. I'm using I'm the Dunphy dumper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was erotic and horrifying to me, and uh, yeah, she was still alive during the scalping, which know, the other ones had been was like, dead. Wow. Yeah, it was. But it was, it was also really the mm-hmm. it was yes, it was also the backstory of him needing that revenge on his mom mm-hmm. and all that shit. Yeah, that it's just like triggering. Yeah, for me because you also need revenge on your mom. Ugh. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> no, she's a great woman. Mm-hmm. Um, That's another time when we also get the camera going outside of his perspective as well. Mm-hmm. When he's like laying on her back. You know, there's a whole... What? <laughs> there's a whole category of porn that's like moms talking to their sons as they get fucked. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, revealing the search history. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It's like... And? It's like... How is it? Hun... Ugh, I mean, it, it's there's certain things. It's like I can't, I can't help but ugh. So it's you like, enjoy, honey. I've talked to your bully Derek, and we've stroke, we have striked a deal. Derek's not gonna we've bother you any. We've striked a deal. He's not gonna bother you anymore, sweetheart. And then she starts sucking his dick. She's like, look at it, honey. Look at that no. big bully dick. He's not going to steal your lunch money. And I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> wow. I guess there's a point for everything. So I shouldn't be surprised. But I just never would have even considered that that would be a genre, I guess. I was talking to a female friend of mine. And I, I, I don't know. I just was like, you know, we talk about sex sometimes. But it's usually I go deeper 
didn't her, but she likes to, like kind of like this. But I but she likes to you know giggle at my fucked up crossed wired mm-hmm. situation. I guess. And I was just like, you know what? I used to think that you know, as you say. There's always a porn. There's a porn for everything, and everyone's fucked up. You know, you can you can tell that by the porn industry and how you can type in anything mm-hmm. and see it, like stinky shoes or whatever. You can like, there's a porn for that. So everyone's fucked up. I'm not special. And then recently, I've been thinking like, on the spectrum, I'm probably a little more fucked up. Or people <laughs> aren't. Or people aren't admitting, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a big thing. Like, I think people like to be perceived as normal and... Oh, yeah. People aren't admitting. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a big a big part <laughs> of it, which they shouldn't have to. Like, you, like... That's people's private business if they want... Don't you ever get to... in a relationship with somebody and then you find out they have some weird sexual thing? That's never... I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I, You know, I, I am totally ready for it to know what it is, mm-hmm. but um, I... Uh, yes. And it's like, it's that that trust level of like... Can I bring you into this? Yeah. Do you want? Do you want to? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but it's good to just, I think, with another person to try to get away from your sexual, like your fetishes and your fantasies. Like, not that it's not fun to, you know, explore your fetishes and like scratch that itch and let your freak flag fly. But if it's all about like a fan, I mean, that's what why porn is so insidious is because it it gets into your mind. Chris Rock has that great joke where he's like, porn makes you sexually autistic. Mm. And it's just, it's just like, you need your thing. And it needs to always be this certain way. And um, something that was really great when I started dating my girlfriend was like, just being in, because she's very like in the moment. And like, just just being with the other person on like a flesh to flesh level and just being into them and not having to attach this larger fantasy, this situation I might've seen on two and a half men (laughs) and like just letting it be like bodies and people and Uh like making love, not to sound like that about it, but you know what I mean? Like there it's healthy to, and then you can dip into the fan. You're going to, I mean, for me, like inevitably dip into some of the role play and Mm -hmm. fantasy stuff later, but it's good to get out of, that thing where like it has to be this way i have to attach this fantasy to all sexual situations so yeah i hate porn i hate what it's done to me i hate i hate you know Mm -hmm. but we're the porn generation kind of yeah i'd say that do you think there was a generation before us that was so exposed to porn no not not in any way the same the same way that we've had access to porn well even the generation after us is really they have the most exposure to porn or maybe you i don't just people who are a little younger than me because i still like i spent a lot of my childhood with no internet still you know or or whatever so these days people probably have the most access to porn than ever but i think there are still like it's not like porn didn't exist or that people couldn't find it they were just doing it in different ways Mm -hmm. it was like you had to seek it out and if you did have like a strange fetish I don't know how easily accessible that type of material would be, you know. It took so long for me, like probably whenever I started looking up, like when you'd play sick mm-hmm. in like fifth grade and then you have the iMac all to yourself. Yeah. And like type something into Google. I know it was like the first thing was like women. Yeah. And then it and then it became <laughs> naked. Yeah. Just not even women naked, just the word naked. Mm-hmm. And then the word sexy. And I remember for years just the the film Sexy Beast popping up when I type in <laughs> sexy. I'm like, I don't care about this Ben Kingsley movie. I just want and I also um, think we made do with things that weren't as porny 
Or like you remember yeah. uh, there was all that stuff about like um, making websites for every time a girl showed boobs in a film or whatever. That what was that? What movie was that? Mr. In? Skin. Yeah. It's, and like and it's in Knocked Up yeah. too. So it's like yeah. that was like such a huge like anytime you saw something even remotely erotic or like that could be mm-hmm. construed as erotic or a scene in a scripted film uh, that is not porn. That's just a regular movie like that became sort of porn or something that you used for in replacement of porn versus like actual porn. Because I just was thinking the first thing that I remember seeing was the movie Wild Things with Nev Campbell. Oh, I just watched that for the first time. (laughs) Oh, my God. And going, this is my porn. I will watch this (laughs) pool scene with Nev Campbell for the rest of my life. (laughs) Pool scene didn't do it for me as much. Whatever. I'm not as into the the girl on girl, but... Well, you know. Yeah, that scene in the motel with the three of them. Yeah. There, There are points in the film that could be construed in those days as pornographic you know what i mean so yeah you you just you found a different way to utilize the materials you had but these days yeah it's so easy to find we've never had more access to porn or different types of porn or any kind of weird fetish you've had it's also easier to connect with others who may have that you know oh god i don't do that that's like the <laughs> i can only admit well, i mean if I don't that's something make that anyone, you were interested in i just mean i don't like, want to make anyone you could find want to make any right and I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but that just seems like the depths of loserdom to be commenting on Pornhub and like talking to other people like she's good in this one or like, I don't know. You I don't want to find the two mom. and a half men community. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she was my grandma. Right, fellas? You know, I don't know. Or like, I just um, mean like there are also like meetup groups or sex oh, clubs okay. or like sex parties or stuff like that that are more centered on people with certain types of fetishes and stuff like that right. to where it would be easier to actually like physically connect with um others and yes. that way where, whereas like before internet that may not have been quite as easy i see yeah what a glorious age we live in <laughs> i'm going to a comedy show at a swingers club next week which should Hey-o. be interesting <laughs> you're gonna swing no way no not a chance um (laughs) not a chance but it seems like people fuck at this place i don't know i think there's like a floor of the place where people just go in rooms and fuck um and they you know do whatever that's not gonna be me i'm going for comedy but um (laughs) i'm just saying like these places exist and it's interesting that they do you're gonna be the one person watching the comedian (laughs) just gonna be conform performing only for you Well, my friend is the comedian, so at least we'll have each other. Right. <laughs> I'm only going because my friend is doing the comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> where are we in this movie? Tied up the mother figure. Yeah, he kill he kills Got mommy. Her scalp. Mm-hmm. We don't see her die on camera, but the French girl then calls him and is upset, distraught by news that her manager was murdered. So we assume that her dead body was found. And he's like, oh, I'll come over and be your comfort. I'll comfort you or whatever. Uh The least comforting vibe of anyone. (laughs) (laughs) This guy who is like constantly having panic attacks and migraines. And Mm -hmm. somehow she kind of finds out that he might be murdering people. I think the way that it's revealed is kind of, I don't understand quite how she came to that conclusion. But whatever, she feels like he's the murderer. And it starts getting Mm -hmm. intensity there. The hand doubles of it all and the body doubles 
come into huge play in this apartment because there's a lot of like him being tossed around the room or trying to touch her or slicing somebody with a knife. Uh, There's a lot of doubling going on here. When he gets there too, he meets one of her one of her gays (laughs) (laughs) that she was, um, I guess, notorious for having. And he, that gay, had announced that he had just gotten a national <laughs> commercial for for toothpaste. For toothpaste, yeah. Wait, was he a gay? I thought he was just like a lover. No, I thought he's that was her boyfriend. Absolutely a gay. <laughs> but they kissed. I don't think they kissed. Maybe they did a yeah, cheeky. Yeah, they do. They did. No, they. I think they did a. Full Maybe mouth they did kiss. a non-sexual. Um, he's not going to fuck me. Kiss on the lips. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's definitely a gay, okay. and because she's in a fight with her boyfriend who has fl- has left the area uh, and then uh, you had lost it by then <laughs> he, he gets what's coming to him with those precious teeth of his yeah well he he even says like oh don't you know this toothpaste like ding and does like a smile yes. and does the ding when he does that mm-hmm. there's a lens flare that gets on his teeth too with a little uh-huh. so you know it's perfectly aligned and then he gets chopped in his precious chompers um, yes. that were going to be a national campaign. Nice. But somehow lives. He gets huge meat cleavered to the middle of the head and lives and gets back up wow. and lives to fight Elijah Wood for a little bit. Yeah. When we saw the first murder, she like barely got stabbed in the head and died instantly. So what's the deal there? I, I don't know. I uh, I really can't answer that. I probably tuned out at this point. So yada, yada, yada. He kind of suffocates the woman, takes her out to a van. Nobody sees somehow. And then in broad daylight, she jumps out, stabs him with a mannequin's hand and jumps into somebody's car and they hit him. And then their car instantly crashes and she rolls out of it. That was such a weird sequence of events. <laughs> yes. And then he goes and kills her, right? Yeah, he scalps her there. Why did you do it? Why? Why did their car crash? Why did she? the door just open and her whole body fell out of it? afterwards Uh, i don't know (laughs) i guess the actress really struggled with that part because the makeup she had on the the, like cuts and blood and stuff uh, made her sick (laughs) oh um but yeah she dies anyway she dies she dies and she becomes his um mannequin bride oh yeah her scalp does is that how the movie ends (laughs) or does he get killed does he get killed he gets ripped apart by all the ghosts of the other girls oh right yeah. So it's not even real anymore. It's not even real. Yeah. So all the ghosts of every girl that he's killed comes back to life, rips him apart, but underneath his skin and crap is just like mannequin stuff instead of guts. He's a mannequin. He's a mannequin inside, which has been like a hallucination or something that he's had throughout the movie is like he looks down and part of him is a mannequin. But now he's gone full Manny. Sounds like a derogatory term for mannequins. <laughs> Manny. Manny. <laughs> He's gone full Manny, and then the cops find him dead in the closet. In the original, the ghosts of the women actually pull him apart, and they've got intestines and all kinds of stuff. It looks really cool. This didn't look uncool. I mean, we should say the effects are pretty good. They are generally pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to see someone's face get ripped off of them, and they're still alive beneath the face. Yeah. How often did like? Do you think that happens? Like, if your face get ripped gets ripped off, you can still be alive. Yes. That does. I, okay. I would think so, if only for like a couple minutes. But mm. like, what part of that would kill you? I don't know. The shock. The shock. You'd go unconscious. The blood. Not a fun way to go. Either Not way. a fun way to go. I don't think you would no. live for a long time, but I think mm-hmm. as long as your skull was still intact, that you would live. 
few agonizing minutes that yeah. feel like eternity. But your head and, also bleeds more than the rest of your body. Like yeah. blood comes out of it more. So I think you could bleed out easier with a big part of your skin missing on your head. And did he, did the guy in the original, was he a mannequin underneath? No, no that's what I'm saying. No. They ripped out his guts. Like he, he was full dude with guts and they took all his guts and they're like putting them all over them and because that's all that's all in his head right because those are all dead people they're obviously not ripping him apart in real life oh and they rip his head off too but when it comes back to the i don't know quote-unquote reality version of what's happening then when the cops come in he's just a guy like sitting on the bed oh yeah it's more ambiguous in the original maniac if he's dead or alive He's not moving, but we don't really know. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's clear like mm-hmm. Elijah Wood is dead, like in his little closet. Did you ever see the horror movie May? I think it came out in 2002. No. It was directed by Lucky McGee. I know about it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, Anna Ferris is in it. It's a good one. So that's a good, disturbing horror movie. And the last shot of it kind of reminded me of this. This is like a worse version. The last shot of that movie, Reality and Nightmare meld in a much more beautiful way like in a way that's actually beautiful mm-hmm. like emotionally beautiful but also horrific yeah i'd recommend that one it's been on my list i haven't seen it though. jack's picks um so that's pretty much roll creds roll creds roll creds we made it to the end of the movie I got two fun facts about this film left. One is that this was an official selection at Cannes of course. in 2012, which I think is so ridiculous. One, the fucking monkey, <laughs> the humping monkey, crying lion, <laughs> horny leopard. And then uh, secondly, I think is just funny. The budget on this was $6 million. Box office uh, was $26,826. So I just think that's really funny. <laughs> It's a, a, a bomb. That is like worse than a bomb. Oh, bad, bad at math, yeah. <laughs> Straight up throwing $6 million out the door. <laughs> yeah, well, at least it got the prestige. Uh, yeah, so I just yeah. think those two things are funny, but that's all I have to say. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. <laughs> I feel almost sad that we've reached the end of this journey that started last night for me watching the movie and is ending now, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be sad to have you out of my life and have this film out of my life. And <laughs> Even though I didn't care for it, it's just, yeah, <laughs> opened up so many doors for me intellectually and in this conversation. So, yeah, you have fond memories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to rate this film out of five? What do you think? It's a one bagger for me. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're a non cinema fan, I'm an... mm, I've never seen. Um, yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't like you it You got to rate it out of five. So what do you pick? Two. Two. Mm-hmm. Give it two for, uh, I guess, the special effects, trying to do something different. It was effective in certain moments. Rob did good on the score. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Rob. Shout out to Rob. It was it's, it's effective uh, for certain people. Give it a two. Okay. I agree. I also go two. Mm. Pretty much for the same reasons. I guess they tried something. The soundtrack was good. And mm-hmm. the... The effects were good. Not all that impressed by most of the kills. Not really connected mm-hmm. to any of the characters in any way. I probably wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anyone should <laughs> probably watch it. The original is pretty decent. I liked it a lot more than this. This one, not it for me. Now it's time for Scream Vomit. Uh, 
And that part of the pod, we just talk about whatever else we've been watching lately. Movies or shows or whatever. So you've mentioned a couple, but what else you've been watching? You know what? I don't watch that much. It's really it's really a problem. I I watch The Twilight Zone like every night. I, the original? Uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Imagine if you're watching the remake every night. Oh, Jordan Peele. <laughs> as long as his name's on it. It's quality. It's real mindfuck. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I really okay. Let me think. Okay. Let me think. I just saw the movie Smile, the horror movie. Did you like it? No. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> very pessimistic outlook on insanity. Yeah. Because the message is basically your mental illness will always control you and get the better of you and kill you. I love to stigmatize so, mental illness. It's it's well because it <laughs> it pays lip service to like that's what it's really about is like could you imagine mm. like having mental illness? This represents mental illness and everything's about like she has to face her trauma mm. to kill the demon, which is her mom's suicide. And it's just like I don't know. I don't like horror movies that are about something. Yeah. You know, and I actually kind of like a good mainstream horror movie that's not this fucking elevated horror or art house horror. It's in 4.3 and shot on 16. I don't yeah. need any of that. But I... I name one. I, that I don't need. No, name one that you like. Mainstream like horror movie of- that's not art house. You're saying you like. So what name one you like? None of them. You just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I want to watch it. Like at the end, like right before sleep. And I'm scrolling through HBO Max, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this would be cool. Like, possession, the possession of Emily Exorcist, mm-hmm. or like the Annabelle 4, or like the Conjuring yeah. 8, you know? And it's just like, I, I get one minute in, and I'm like, yeah, this is fucking boring. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. But I always that think not I'm going to like it. Mm-hmm. By the way, obviously, I'm not against artistic movie art artistic uh, good horror movies. I just, uh, I, I don't like the pretension that surrounds them sometimes mm-hmm. i saw i saw a review for uh nope mm-hmm. the jordan peele's last movie and it's like nope jordan peele's nope isn't just about ufos and i'm like of course not yeah we get the genre that's the genre <laughs> and it's cool that that's a genre yeah. now like black horror movies where it's like a, the subtext is like racism and and like i mm-hmm. that is a cool new subgenre of horror but just this thing that it always needs to be about something that's like a very simple metaphor that's a very binary AP lit way of like understanding it. And like have this, like some social commentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. or like this represents mental illness. This represents aging. This mm-hmm. represents, you know, like what's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre about? What's Halloween about? Mm-hmm. It's about a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be in the forefront. Like this, here is the subtext. Mm-hmm. So this is a valid movie. So The Smile was like a mixture of mainstream, bland, you know, regurgitated horror with some cool effects and some interesting, I guess it did some interesting things, but it it paid lip service to that thing of here's the subtext. The subtext is about mental illness. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, if the subtext is about mental illness, if it really is like a public service, it it certainly has a bad message at the end <laughs> so that was whatever i saw a little bit of um amsterdam as i said i snuck into that i walked out and uh you know i'm a bitch i'm really i'm really like a bitch um i'm, is there, I'm trying to think of something i really liked mm-hmm. i really wish i could think of something 
and it's my own fault for watching or not watching good things or not watching much of anything, mm-hmm. I guess. You say something and then maybe I'll, something will come to mind <laughs> for me. Why don't you watch more films? What are you doing with your time? Because I make films. Mm. Uh, I, I just like... But didn't you get into making films because you loved film so much? Yes. Mm-hmm. But something happens when you're making movies where like... Like, at certain stages, I just don't know a lot of other filmmakers who are still watching movies. Like, production of a movie. Well, first of all, if you're in production for a movie, you're not doing anything except being on set and working your ass off. So there's not a lot of times. There's no time to watch movies. But leading up to that, even, for me, it's like that part of my brain is off. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm sort of in the thick of what I'm doing. uh, And I don't want too much outside influence, except when you're stealing things. Like... When you're working with your director of photography, it's easy. It's easier and most helpful to just show examples of what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, so you watch movies in a sort of practical uh, way that's not just for your own enjoyment. Piece them apart. But okay, theater. Movies I've seen in a theater because I go to see movies in theaters that I really want to see. What are your fave theaters? My fave theaters in Chicago, the Gene Siskel, except I couldn't go this weekend because A, I'm sick, and B, too many of my friends have movies or are in movies there, so I'm just like going to be jealous. <laughs> and um, You don't want to support your friends. You're just mad oh, at them. Oh, God, no. Hell yeah. God, no. <laughs> Unless it benefits me in some way or I'm like tangentially yeah. involved. No, God, that's not true. <laughs> um, it's mostly true. <laughs> But, uh, That's your fave. What other fave? I like the music box in Chicago. It's it's out of the way, mm-hmm. and I, I wish their selection was like a little better. But it, it's it's been get, it's been good. It's been turning around. Those theaters, I love going to Landmark for sentimental reasons, but it's it's kind of out of the way for me. And I like a big dumb AMC, mm-hmm. like popcorn diarrhea. There's not on a lot the of AMC's in the city. You kind of have to go outside a little bit of Chicago. Yeah, well, there's, there's the AMC. One AMC River East 21 yeah. that shows like a lot of weird movies. Mm-hmm. So I saw Lost Highway for the first time at the Music Box. Hell yeah. Not my favorite Lynch, but certainly fun. I love Patricia Arquette. Oh, God. Just in general, I'm obsessed with her. So yes. I am particularly a little more fond of that film. <laughs> yes. For that reason. Oh, I saw Freaks. I mean, for the f- I've seen it before, but the, like, so fucking movie. good. I believe it's 1932, mm-hmm. Todd Browning. Yeah. Fucking great movie. Yeah, that's so really good. fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful representation of that, especially for the time. I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible that they did that and put those kind of people on screen. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it's just incredible documentary footage of like a guy with no limbs, uh, like rolling a cigarette for himself with his mouth and... Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny that it had to be marketed as a horror film. Yeah. You know, like there are scary parts, deliciously dark, ominous, and scary, but it's when they're exacting revenge on the villainous, uh, normal, quote unquote, normal woman. But for the most part, it's just a loving, beautiful portrait of these people that get the, get a real, you know, get a real sh- uh, shit deal in, in life. Mm-hmm. Love that movie. Yeah, even just giving those types of people a platform at that time and that era, like you can't deny like how important that was culturally. Yeah, yeah, right. I want to plug someone else. Okay, uh, Jordan Tatuski, our friend. Yeah, his movie, which he co-directed with Josh. What's his name? Pekovsky. Um Nothing against Josh. Well, they both have hard to pronounce, goofy ass names, and mm. uh, not hard to pronounce in your book. <laughs> 
I can't produce. I can't pronounce. Pr- I can't produce. My mom's pronounce, maiden name was Rikuski, so I guess I'm em- just used to it. <laughs> Emily Emma Watson. So uh, Emily Watson. So how am I going to pronounce tattoos? I, I, I look. I'm pronouncing both of the names right. They have they're beautiful Slavic sounding names. Um, Hannah Haha. Great movie. Mm-hmm. They were both yeah. on the podcast and talking. I know about that's that's too. how I got. Isn't that how they recommended me to you? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan just, recommended your shorts to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan just shot a short film of mine starring my girlfriend Colleen and Jesse Pinnock and uh, myself. And Jordan's a goofy guy and a good guy, a talented guy, nice guy. Yeah. Eccentric. <laughs> You're just singing Lizzo's Boys to me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boys, I don't want to need you. Boys. He's a good I guy. I just want to freak <laughs> <guy>. you. <laughs> I almost um, know the lyrics to that because I recorded myself singing it for my little niece. <laughs> Aw. It's a good song. Okay, so you're done with your, what you've been watching, correct? I have sure. things that I can talk about. I know. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you talk. We've tangentially gone all over the damn map here. Yeah. I, I came in with uh, mostly shorts this week, which is not always the case. So I've seen some cool shorts lately. All right. First one, Executrix. New Katie Skelton. Um, have you seen? I feel like you might like actually, personally. No. Do you, are you familiar with Katie Skelton at all? Nope. Interesting. Um, okay, she's a short filmmaker, but I, I love her shorts. But she's got a new one called Executrix. Um, the person who wrote and starred in it, Dana Kaplan Engel, actually passed away before the short got oh. to come out. But the short is about her grief of losing her mother. So it's like there's a short mm-hmm. about her grief of loss and then while they're promoting this film they are suffering grief and loss so it's kind of like a weird thing going on but um i love the short it's really good highly recommend executrix mm-hmm. all right i watched a short called uh i wish there was a guy term for i love you uh this is kind of a documentary which i'm not always huge on documentaries and it's a short but it's just like gay men telling their stories about places they've had to go to feel safe being themselves um and i just thought it was really powerful and interesting and i liked it cool i rewatched a short called brad cuts loose have you seen mm-hmm. do you watch shorts at all not really not really you just make them <laughs> <laughs> i told you i'm a fucking dick I look but, um there are some that are culturally important <laughs> okay yeah executrix i do think you would probably like Brad cuts. I don't know. I guess what your taste is, even, but mm-hmm. <laughs> just based on the things that you make, I feel like you would like it. I don't know. Brad cuts loose. I love. It's by this filmmaker Christopher Good. I'm a big fan of his work. It stars Kentucker Oddly and Tipper Newton. Um, love both of them. God, it's gorgeous. It's weird. It's like doing weird crap. It's about kinks, exploring your kinks oh. <laughs> in a way. So I love that short. Brad cuts loose. I would love to continue to support Christopher Good's filmmaking career in any way possible because he needs to make more movies. Good. <laughs> Screen sharing. Well, can you pronounce this name for me? <laughs> Dan Schneiderkraut. That's what I would think. Dan Schneiderkraut. Dan Schneiderkraut. He's my friend. He uh, I met him at the True False Film Festival. I want to give him a plug because he needs his due. Makes this awesome movie called Vor King. That's a feature and... Um, a lot of really cool shorts. I would definitely check him out on Vimeo. 
Can you pronounce his last name again? I think it's maybe Schneidkraut. Yeah. Dan, if you're listening to this, I love you. I'm so sorry. I can't pronounce your last name, right? I'm, I'm like, <laughs> as we've as we've realized, I, I've seen, I'm, I'm uh, barely uh, functioning at an adult level. But, um, all right. I'll try to stop share screen. <laughs> all right. I got two more things. I saw this short, The Diamond, which it's not technically out yet. It just played at Fantastic Fest. I think it's still doing festivals. The Diamond by Vedrang Rupik. This, I think, was the coolest short I've ever seen in my life. It's so freaky, and I don't even know how to describe it. It's insane. You never know the next move that's going to come. Never seen anything like it. It made me so excited that tears came out of my damn eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so highly recommending this short, The Diamond. All right, lastly, jo- what? Yeah, lastly, I was just going to say real quick, Joe Kappa, he doesn't need any more help, but he's mm-hmm. an amazing, hilarious animator. Check out his Instagram, TikTok, whatever. He's the next Mike Judge. <laughs> and my friend, uh, Mike Cullen. Uh, Mike Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-E-N, I think. Maybe just one e. Anyway, check out his Instagram. He just it's just he just does funny videos, and he's just like a cool, funny guy. You gonna keep thinking of friends to plug? Why not friend uh, friend plug? Why not plug friends? I'm not plugging the ones that don't make good work. <laughs> All right. So if you're listening and you're a pal of Jacks and uh, your name wasn't mentioned, you know what's up now. Yeah. <laughs> you're on notice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last one's an actual feature. I watched this movie, Baghead. Have you seen? It's a Duplass Brothers film. It's a good one. Probably my favorite Duplass Brothers movie. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite. I didn't think about it in those terms much, but I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I thought I was just going to watch something stupid to not pay attention to for a while uh, and turn it off. And I actually got so enraptured, I stayed up way too late watching it, and I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it. And it's scary. It's a good movie for the spooky season, etc. It's just scary enough to not be too scary for me. And I loved the Duplass Brothers castings of themselves, like of their uh, alternate universe versions of themselves in the film. I thought um, that was really funny and they did good with that too. Cool. So I like that movie and that's all my shit that I've been watching recently. Nice. What you got to plug? Where you at? Where can people? You're gonna find make you? me do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry about all the plugs I sent you to. I feel like such a douche. You right? got so many to, plugs. I don't think to, that it's a douche. I think that um, you just got lots of cool stuff coming up, and that rocks. Uh well. Um, do you not think ugh, it rocks? I am just so. I don't know this. I, I, sure, yes, it rocks. I'm just so anxious about my future, and I feel underaccomplished for my age, and I'm just like dr- dying and self doubt and dread and. I'm coming out of it, hopefully, but... Uh, well, you're yeah, tw- when do you turn 30? December 28th. Okay, so you only yeah. got a couple more months and you'll feel fine. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and you're um, not under-accomplished for your age. You're doing thank great. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and being in this um, type of industry, making little weirdo stuff, especially shorts, but also everything else, podcast and like weird movies and stuff, you're always going to feel strange and uncertain about your future probably right (laughs) yeah well (laughs) but you find others that are the same as you and they'll make you feel a little better community yes community i've always been bad at engaging in community but it's an important thing isn't it Mm -hmm. so all right i have a couple short films that came out uh this year uh one's called revelations it's an animated one it's a personal story 
and uh, that one was at Slam Dance. Now it's on Vimeo. Watch it there. I have a short film called Brontosaurus. That's also animated, also a personal story. That one's like a, a little bit darker, uh, a little bit more adult. And um, I like that one. People seem to like it, which is nice. That's on Vimeo, as I said, I think. Uh, I have another short coming out called Amanda, which it just screened for the first time in public at the Duluth Superior Film Festival. And I, I really enjoyed watching it with a crowd. I'm annoyed that no one else ever programmed it because mm-hmm. I do think it works with a crowd. I'm not sure why people don't like it. I mean... Everyone I know likes it and is excited by it. It's just like it couldn't get programmed anywhere, I think, because it is pretty aggressive. And uh, it does kind of go after everything. Uh, It is a little bit um, angry. It -hmm. is pretty angry, but I think it has a sweet center at the end of it. Features the voice talents of Jesse Pinnock, who's awesome. Cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's a a trip. And um, that is released on No Budge on October 13th. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know when you put this up. This will be out after that. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So it'll still be on No Budge and then it's going to be free. But you're supposed to pretend it's never going to be free. So people sign up and (laughs) give you money. But that never works. And people are like, hey, man, I really want to support you. But I don't know. Could I get a link? But I really want to support you. Maybe I'll send you money anyway. I'm like, no, no, no. Here it is free. And then... I think I made a whopping $25 on the last one. But hey, that's <laughs> actually yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, okay, and then I um, have a podcast coming out. I think it's the at the very first week, hopefully, or very beginning of 2023. It will tentatively called Revelations with Jack Dunphy. I think I, pr- I plugged it earlier, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I don't need to go into it too much. And um, I have this feature documentary that's been killing me. It's a hibernation of document documentary and uh, animation, and it's I've been working on it for it's coming up like eight years, and it's it's wow. a, a it's a big project, and it's very personal, and uh, that'll hopefully be that'll be out sometime. And then I'm developing a feature that was supposed to shoot next month. It didn't happen, but we're shooting the short version of that feature in a month and to try to I don't want and I shouldn't talk anymore about it but that that's <laughs> that's what I have on the on the horizon that's awesome I think, I think that's everything that rocks and I'm glad you're making more films and keep doing that thank you um and that's all for the show so thanks for joining me thanks for coming on here thank you and uh we'll be hanging soon and we'll see everyone else next week or next time bye-bye say bye 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's going to blow your mind.